My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live not only for the Big Four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we, we are, are the WNR. WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 209, it's the WWE Network Review for my... Don't you think, let's start with the alternate intro. Torchwood, outside the government, beyond the police, tracking down alien life on Earth, and arming the human race against the future. The 21st century is when it all changes, and when you've got to be ready. And that was Captain Jack Harkness. Every month, we review the latest content on the WWE Network, including collections, new programs, and 205 Live, all the latest news, and we delve into NXT UK. Finally, the crown jewel of the WNR podcast, NXT Update. So, let's start with the latest collections. The newest WWE collections take a look back at the epic careers of WWE Hall of Famers Shawn Michaels and Trish Stratus. Yeah, first up is Shawn Michaels' Heartbreak Kid. From a fateful night at the barbershop to the formation of D-Generation X, Shawn Michaels states his claim as the superstar of the 90s. And also we've got Trish Stratus, stay stratified. Revisit the sizzling career of Trish Stratus and prepare to be stratified by the seven-time champion's groundbreaking accomplishment. Yeah, we've got two new sets, both covering WWE Hall of Famers, interestingly. Neither are strangers to the WWE Network collections as Shawn Michaels has a Shawn Michaels Mr. Rain... Missile... Mr. WrestleMania collection already in his name, which obviously covers his WrestleMania matches. Trish is featured in the Trish and Lita Evolutionary collection. With that being said, both had plenty of big matches and moments where both those playlists didn't even scratch the surface of the adequately covering their lengthy careers. Yeah, Sean in particular was exceptionally long with a lot of time as a top-tier talent, so it'd be interesting to see whether they just cover his early singles run or they attempt a full career retrospective for the WWE Hall of Famer. James, did you know that the WWE Network celebrated five years this month? Oh, happy birthday for the WWE Network. And seeing as we're the WNR, we're going to look with more details about it. Well, announced on January 8th, 2014, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas at a WWE event, the WWE Network originally launched only in the US and as an over-the-top streaming service. 
The first live event screened on the WWE Network was NXT Arrival, held on February 27th. Later in 2014, the WWE Network launched in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, and hosts of other countries. And the United Kingdom finally got their network in January 2015 after a few delays. On May 4th, 2015, the WNR podcast was created to help bring you the best from the network. And by 2016, the network was available in 186 countries, with only a handful of countries not getting the service. While expectations of more subscribers fell short throughout the years, the WWE Network keeps a healthy and steady income for WWE. A multi-tier subscription is rumoured to be on the horizon, along with a total revamp of the network GUI, which has not changed since February 24th, 2014. To celebrate its fifth birthday, WWE Network will air a marathon of shows that originally aired when the service launched, along with a collection of the best shows from the past five years. The WNR keeps bringing you all the latest content and for its 250th episode will bring you a full retrospective of the WWE Network. So there we go, we are of course working in partnership with the network. So new episodes of WWE Thunder have been added to the WWE Network. We can travel back to 99 and 2000s with more than 25 hours of WCW Thunder just added to the WWE Network. As WWE gained traction in the Monday Night War, WCW was pushed to get creative and pull out all the stops. Dive into 20 episodes now featuring Eric Bischoff, Vince Russo, my friend on Twitter, Bret Hart, Kevin Nash, Goldberg and more. Yeah, well, just added WCW Thunder 78, Perry Saturn faces Sid Vicious in the main event, Goldberg takes on Ernest the Cat Miller plus DDP Billy Kidman and much more in action. WCW Thunder, 90, uh, <coughs> WCW Thunder 79, Goldberg goes one-on-one with Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event and the revolution completes in a six-man tag team match. WWE Thunder 80 and Larry Visco hosts an exciting lineup of all the recent action and excitement within WCW. Obviously no good matches on that one. Yeah, so someone who should not be named. WCW Thunder 81, Booker T looks to avenge his brother by challenging Sid Vicious for the WCW United States Championship in the main event. WCW Thunder 82, Goldberg comes to WCW Thunder to accept Scott Norton's challenge for a one-on-one bout in the main event. Thunder 83, WCW United States Champion is on the line in the main event as Vicious defends his title against Stevie Ray. Uh, so Thund- Booker T didn't obviously win it then. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do well. Uh, Thunder 84, the total package. Partners with Rick Steiner to face Buff Bagwell and La Parker in their tag team match main event. WCW Thunder 85 on the road to facing Bret Hart at Halloween Havoc. The total package takes to the ring to battle Buff Bagwell in the main event. Uh, WCW Thunder 86, a war between Conan's filthy animals and the revolution breaks out during the main event bout involving City. Thunder 87, Sid Vicious finds himself in a unique position where he is forced to battle in a tag team match against his friend Rick Steiner. I can't help but thinking that using Sid Vicious a lot. Uh, 88, Sid Vicious battles Perry Saturn in the main event and Booker T challenges Rick Steiner for the World Television Championship. Thunder 89, when Buff Bagwell tries to help put an end to Kurt Henning's in-ring career, Henning looks to make Bagwell pay for his actions. WCW Thunder 90, despite his best efforts to avoid his in-ring competition, Lex Luger finds himself in the main event battling against Sid Vicious. Thunder 91, with Starcade approaching, the outsiders Kevin Nash and Scott Hall partner with Jeff Jarrett, that's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T, for a six-man tag team match main event. WCW Thunder 92, while running roughshod throughout WCW, the powers that be look to target anyone in opposition to them. Thunder 93, after reforming the NWO on Monday Nitro at the expense of Goldberg, 
Bret Hart finds himself looking over his shoulder in the main event. Thunder 94, while the New World Order... While the New World Order holds Arn Anderson hostage, the likes of David Flair and Terry Funk step up to rescue their ally. Thunder 95, the NWA pulls off another coup when Bret Hart appears to rethink his alliance with the band. Thunder 96, new WCW commissioner Kevin Nash seeks an opportunity to agronise himself at the expense of WCW World Heavyweight title. And Thunder 97, after winning WCW World title on Nitro, Sid Vicious finds himself battling for gold once again in a triangle steel cage match. I have no idea why WCW went under and struggled in 99 looking back on those Thunders, Dan. I really can't. Uh, So that was classic content, and now over to new content. Roman Reigns' return is the focus of the next edition of the WWE Chronicle. A brief description for the episode is, follow Roman Reigns as he returns to Raw to give an update on his battle with leukemia. Shinzuki fucking Nakamura, Samoa Joe, Becky Lynch, Paige and Ambrose have been featured on past editions of the Chronicle. So this is WWE Chronicle, March 4th, 2019. It's basically behind the scenes look at Roman Reigns, 30 minutes long. Well, uh, the following Chronicle takes place from February 22nd, 2019 to February 25th, 2019. And October 22nd, 2018, Roman Reigns shot the W Universe by announcing that he had fought leukemia 11 years prior and had once again returned. After relinquishing the Universal Championship, Reigns vowed to fight the disease and return as soon as possible. This is the story of a return. So, basically, it's showing you what happened on the Saturday uh, at a house show, the doctor says something wrong with the blood test that Roman Reigns had. Uh, think about, you know, the, the count. On Monday, he went and raw, and the doctor said high white count, and we'd have to relinquish the championship. So that's how quickly it came about, from the Saturday to the Monday. October 22nd, my real name is Josie, came out and gave a promo. What were your thoughts at the time when Reigns announced that he had to leave? I thought that was absolutely gutting, you know. He is quite a polarising character in WWE, but, you know, you wouldn't wish that on anyone, no. and... For me, you know, if you can go back and listen to the early episodes of the podcast, I'm actually a Roman Reigns fan, and he was my favourite from The Shield. You know, it's it's not nice hearing it from anyone. So, you know, to hear it from a celebrity, so to speak, you know, it is, it's, it's even more devastating. Well, the thing is, it, it shocked the wrestling world as well, didn't it, you know? Uh, and he weren't sure kind of what reaction he was going to get. And, and, and even now, he admits saying, like, when he used to do the Make-A-Wish Foundation... Uh, he used to tell the families and the kids, he said, look, I used, you know, I got, used to have leukemia, this is how I dealt with it. And the families kind of welcomed him in more. But he, he, he didn't know what reaction he would get from people. Uh, February 22nd, he was back at the performance centre. and The doctors were going through the checks. So it's only been kind of, you know, what, four months since. And he's going back there to be checked. Uh, he's 33, so he's still got miles ahead of him as well. And he was uh, practicing bumps and he said, he, you know, he's not really happy about doing that. He'd only spoken to Vince three days previously on the telephone and said that he was thinking about coming back. So again, you talk about how quickly it happened from his return. He had rang Vince and then Vince booked him into the performance centre. They didn't wait around. Uh, Rain Rain said he had first stage of the chemo. They got it early. He's taken a pill as chemotherapy. It did have its side effects. He had a lot of arthritis that he suffered. And then February 25th, Georgia Tech... Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns went there and he still loved it. He called it his security blanket, kind of always close to home. He goes there to check the field and then home to Raw, which has been held in Georgia at the same time. So it's him arriving at Raw for the first time. He say in the promo back tonight, but he's not written anything down. He then uh, he's on the phone to the kids' hospital. And this kind of breaks my heart a little bit because he's speaking to them and the kids are saying, so how are you, Roman? And he's like, well, you know, I'm good. 
I'm yeah. remiss, you know, I'm going to be coming back. And the kids are like, oh, congratulations. But, you know, these are the kids that might oh, not... Going through it, yeah. yeah. might not come back as well, which, you know, kind of heartbreaking. It's fucking heartbreaking. And then Stephanie has to have a moment with him. Obviously. You know what I mean? You see her hugging Roman Reigns and it's just kind of like, ugh. Uh, and then he he comes back and uh, he's, well, he says he's reached more people now. So the family sponsor side, he said he's told his daughter that would be okay. And that's all right. If, uh, uh, and with the fans, he said, you can boo me if you want to boo me. I'm not looking for any sympathy, you know. I, I think it was an, a really well put together chronicle, you know, showing Roman Reigns as the kind of new Roman Reigns that we know now, you know. as a kind of new fan respect for him as well, you know. But do you think, and, you know, I'm not... Going to give my opinion either way on this just yet. But do you think WWE are trying to cash in on the leukemia ticket? Or do you think they're trying to bring more awareness to it? I think it may be. But, of course, the form is going to apply to it as well. It's like WWE's charity work, isn't yeah. it? You know, you're going to... It's more eyes on it. But the, the problem is because it's wrestling as well. And I hate to say it. But, like, people are going to say... Is this a work? You know, did he really come well, back, came back well, so we've soon? Had, you know? we've had quite a, a famous person whose name I won't mention but it rhymes with Rave Scheltzer <laughs> and he's kind of said in the work and he had hadn't done his research into it and yeah. you know it's it <clears throat> and people like that you know he he has a few influence on some without sheep doubt. yeah no without doubt you know people hear that and then might say oh that's definitely thing but the thing watching the Chronicle and, and seeing Roman Reigns journey it's that there's a genuine person there you know, yeah. and if he's, if he's talking about speaking to his daughter, you can see the reaction that the, the wrestlers gave him when he came back as well. And how important he is to Vincent Mann. I think Vince had him back so soon because he was such a big star. And you were saying to me about the ratings when he came back as well. You oh, know? they absolutely spiked, yeah. And again, you know, going back to the Chronicle, we've seen the Dean Ambrose Chronicle. And that was more of a the character Dean Ambrose, yes, yes, you yeah. know, as opposed to Dean Moxley. But this, this is Joe. Yeah. This isn't Roman Reigns, which I, I I prefer that to the Dean Ambrose one. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, I think this the Chronicles you know, can get really real. And if it was subject to Roman Reigns, I feel it really, really worked, you know. Well, following Reigns' Chronicle episode, a new WWE Untold will air on the network at 11.30pm Eastern on Monday. It will look back at WWE's WCW revival from 2006. And you can get the extreme story behind ECW's 2006 return from those who lived it, including Paul Heyman, Shane McMahon, Tommy Dreamer and more. Yeah, so this is WWE Untold. And this must be a series on a network that, unfortunately, I have missed out on because uh, it started way back in September 15th with a Hell in a Cell shocker. Very easy programming, voiceovers. For the take of mankind from different interviews, edited with the clips and the events. It's, you've got the slick WWE style, if you know what I mean. Only 50 minutes long, and nothing really uh, uncovered there. We knew about Taker's broken foot, didn't we? And yeah. then September 14th, we had Eddie Guerrero, which was recorded with Eddie 2000. And it was Vicky, and Heyman said he's SmackDown's greatest star, 70 minutes long, just showing what Eddie was all about. I mean, with Eddie, he really got himself over, do you know what I mean, with that yeah. character. Um, and Aiden English is Eddie's son-in-law, which I didn't know either. I know that. I was just shocked yeah. by that, yeah. Um, it's a quick WWE retrospective of him, but if you want to go back and watch that, then watch the Viva La Vazza, the Eddie Guerrero story. It's available on DVD. It's fantastic. And then, like I said, fourth for the second, the second coming of ECW. And the thing I liked about this documentary was the kind of, even the opening line, it set up what it was, because ECW had come back in 2006. Well, I thought they'd revive it with <laughs> Big Show versus Batista. 
So not many documentaries start off like that in that way with such a kind of harsh critique of was. And, and like you said, Heyman thinks it was doomed from the start in 2006. Uh, it's very good. Do you know Shane McMahon wanted to buy ECW or to start off the second coming of ECW? He wanted to put it just on online, have it online. And McMahon said, that's not going to work. We can sell it to companies. And it's weird when you think about how ahead of his time he was yeah. in that way, you know? Oh, most definitely, yeah. Uh, Heyman hated it. Of course, NXT was after, but it's really interesting because Heyman left uh, WWE in 2006 after the December to Dismember pay-per-view with the disagreements with Vince McMahon. And he admits that he has never spoken to Vince McMahon uh, about that since his return. He never, ever broached the subject. They just completely ignored it and moved on. Heyman never thought he'd come back to WWE afterwards. And, of course, with Brock Lesnar. And he said with ECW, the problem was, because it was extreme, they wanted, they thought it was going to be the same as it was, and you couldn't do that, especially when it was on network television. And he said if it had gone more kind of NXT route with it, with the young guys coming through, he said it would have made it. And sorry, you're going to... Well, do you think that was kind of the WWE, the way WWE was moving forward, especially after the... Uh... Well, you know, with the Benoit tragedies and that, like with their concussion management and things yeah. like that, do you think that was WWE handling it with more kid gloves as opposed to, say, if it was its own franchise and they could have done pretty much whatever they wanted to and uh, yeah. I, I think if, gone crazy? If Shane McMahon had it online, you could have got away with a lot more stuff because people actually, you know, finding that stuff out rather than being on there. And uh, there's an interesting thing as well with like CM Punk and uh, Sheamus and others who came through ECW at the time and you know they say to Heyman well these guys wouldn't have gone through if it weren't for ECW he goes no that's bullshit he said ECW those styles would have made it through no matter what programming was on it wasn't just because it was you know ECW at the time that's the only reason you look at NXT they kind of turned it around had it online as well and got talent through you can see what the idea was but NXT replaced ECW the week later you know and that's not uh, a great thing about the the you know ECW. what were your thoughts on ECW when it came back in two thousand six? I was never a fan, you know. I only caught what they done on the the kind of crossovers. Yeah, you know, I was. There was a few good matches on there. Like um, I saw a match for the ECW Championship. I think it was Survivor Series two thousand and seven Triple Threat match. CM Punk versus Miz versus John Morrison. Absolutely bloody good match. I don't know, you know, it had Chavo as champion one time and it had bloody Bobby Lashley as champion, yeah, it had yeah. Big Show as champion. And I, I wasn't really keen on the ECW originals either. No, no, there's a lot of things that were kind of wrong with the product. And when you uh, look not, at... Sorry, not the originals, the ECW new brand. The, the, the Marcus Elijah Corvon. Burke, yeah, Marcus yeah, yeah. Corvon and uh, Kevin Thorne and yeah. people like that. It was a bit of a clusterfuck at time, but it's, it's a very interesting programme. We can see it's only like 20 minutes long as well to go back and catch up with that. Right, we move on to WWE Arrival, and it's Matt Riddle. It's 35 minutes long. Uh, UFC for six years, independent wrestling for four years. He's a smug-looking cunt who shows up. He's wearing, he meets Trips and Bloom. He's wearing a suit and fucking flip-flops, Dan. I'm just saying flip-flops. He's from Northampton. It's him with his family. He's got an ugly mum. Said it was his dream. Uh, his brother... And his dad was there supporting him. Lisa, his wife. He's got three kids. Alison, Amy are twins. He's got a gay-looking little boy. Not he... that anything wrong with being gay, James. No, not nothing at all. I'm just saying the kid looked a bit, you know. His mantra is chill. You know, like RVD, dude. Like, nah, man, nothing really matters to me, man. You know, 
32 years old, for fuck's sake. Do you know what I'm saying? Brooklyn Four was where, of course, he made his debut. And the kids seeing him on his debut are cute. They're watching at home. But it's just set up, you know? The kids, are, the kids, the, the fucking eight-year-old kids are not sitting down to watch NXT TakeOver. I'm sorry, they were put there for like, oh, daddy, daddy. Oh, great, what's he doing? In the crowd going, bro, bro, bro. Um, the documentary is about them moving to Orlando. He goes back to the Monster Factory in New Jersey, where he got trained by Danny Cage. Eh? Danny Cage, remember that? that absolute legend? legend, yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you something else about Matt Riddle. It sounds like he had a stroke. Uh, could he get like it? Yeah, man. I'm in chill, dude. Um, anyway, Blue Me needs his trainer, and he said he's like Kurt Angle with TakeOver the WWE. Sorry, sorry. Can I... Did you just say... That Blue Meanie, a.k.a. Brian Heffron, is his trainer. Yeah. That legendary wrestler. That Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. That's why you're unemployed, Brian, with the WWE, all right? Um, They drive there with everything. So he takes the kids on a fucking, like, 12-hour journey in the middle of the night. That's great parenting, isn't it? Ultimate Fighter Series 7, he was on. They talk about his UFC these days. Uh, they can't show the clips, but they tell us about it. Uh, there's one knockout he did, and I have gone back and watched it. It is on YouTube, and he punches the guy so hard, the guy's on the floor going, uh, uh. <laughs> That is cacao. Uh. <laughs> Literally. Um, but then he was watching Mania after being fired for smoking marijuana, but he said he pissed off the wrong people. Uh, and he watched Mania and said, Daniel Bryan, and said to himself, I could do that. So you look at the, one of the greatest wrestlers of maybe all time, and you go, yeah, fuck it, I'll give it a go. You know what I mean? Well, what must he have been smoking? <laughs> do you know what I mean? What strain? Anyway, then he went to the beach, and this is his first ever tryout, June 2015. So, I mean, that's his tryout, and can you believe he didn't get signed from that? You know, just very kind of robotic and kind of, yeah, man, Matt Riddle, dude. Um, anyway, twenty uh, the 9th of April, he first day at the Performance Centre with Norman Smiley. That other absolute fucking legend. He is a legend. He is a legend. Uh, Matt's fine when he's not talking, training and, you know, doing through his moves. But as soon as he starts going, yeah, bro, I really enjoy it. Then you're just like... Sound like Rocky's had a joint. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, but... I would pay to see Dunn or Water smash his fucking face in. Yes, I would. Imagine a chop to the face of Matt Riddle, just like, boom. Anyway, 21st September, NXT debut. He beat poor Fabian Eichner. Poor Eichner, eh? Didn't deserve that. 17th October, full sale, debut first time. This is great. Nigel McGuinness is back there going, so... What do you put the names down as? I can't do a Nigel McGuinness, but he's talking to Matt Riddle and trying to get it. And uh, Matt Riddle's like, well, dude, I do like a senton, yeah? But I guess what I call it? I call it a broton. And Nigel's like, okay, I'll put that down. Broton. Bromission. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking a bro Nelson slam. Like, what the fuck, man? Oh, bro me. Jesus Christ. But what a pro Nigel No, it's brogus Christ. (laughs) Bruck me. Uh, Riddle nervous for TV debut. uh, And then November... For the War Games is his takeover debut. Uh, I think Matt Riddle could work as a heel because there's just something conceivably unlikable about him. I, I don't know if I'm right, but it's what I think. That's Gabe Sapolsky, who used to be the head writer and basically ran Ring of Honor about 10 years ago when he brought all the kind of massive talent through and WWE have kind of got him to the side. 
and he's saying like, yeah, Matt Riddle's going to be good. So um, normally after watching like, you know, a, a Chronicles of or like, you know, a documentary on a wrestler, it kind of brings you close to him. James, mm-hmm. what is your, because, uh, you know, you, I know you actually enjoyed watching Matt Riddle when he first came yes. into it. What are your thoughts on Matthew, King of Bros, Riddle now? His fucking stupid fucking face. Look, the, the thing is, is this documentary is so fucking false, all right? Like... Any other wrestler could have been in this role, right? Give Kevin Owens a documentary about recovering at home from his injury and show what a father he is with his, you know, husband he is with his kids, you know. Just because Matt Riddle's got a family doesn't make it special. Just because he's, oh, look, he's playing with his children. What a guy. You know, no, that's what should be expected. And with a guy comes in with a chip on his shoulder like he has and everybody's saying to him, oh, he's going to be the next star, I... To be fair, it, it's got me. I've gone off him a little bit. I, I, I really a just, little bit. I, okay, I've gone off him a lot just because of his general demeanour, and I don't see that working as a babyface star. I don't see us or any normal fan cheering for him because of what or because he's got long hair and he wears flip flops, so he does submission moves. Oh yeah, because WWE fans always like the MMA style of, of wrestler, didn't they? You know, I don't think I don't know. People saying he's going to make it. I, I just. Personally, I can't see it at the moment. But this is the end of Arrival with Matt Riddle. The king of fucking bros as well. What a stupid fucking nickname. I mean, fuck's sake, you know. It'd be even worse if he was a hype bro, wouldn't it? Oh, Jesus Christ. King of hype bros. So what they tried to get across at Arrival was the kind of journey that Matt Riddle's been on from UFC coming all here to TakeOver. I mean, look at that. He shows up at TakeOver wearing flip-flops, Dan. Uh, and he's come out here, you know, in action for his first takeover match, making it a big deal. It lasted, what, 20 seconds? I mean, question to you then. Does this make you like Matt Riddle more after seeing this? Did I like him in the first place? No. But um, did, did it add anything to the... You know, uh, you know it, you can see it's someone trying to pursue his dream. I, I'm not overly struck on the way he's doing it. But, you know, dreams are, are made to be created and he is following his but is it a dream that he would have been pursuing if he hadn't have got kicked out of you is it is only his dream because it is an original specials arrival on matt riddle you know is it oh well you know i can't do ufc no more what's everyone else that's run away from ufc done well brock lesnar ronda rousey shane basler hmm Hmm. let's go to the wwe and this is my thing this is my problem at the moment you look at passion in the business you talk about people like hulk hogan or steve austin or Shawn michaels or anybody even going to you know to later days you got the john cena's You've got the uh, the Roman Reigns after yeah. watching his. Well, Roman Reigns a little bit different, but I'm saying with those guys, it's it's the passion of of being a wrestling fan and getting involved in it. Do you know what I mean? That's what their number one goal is. With Roman Reigns, people go, oh, "He's a former football player, so he's the Rock." Well, no, look where they came from. Look at their families. They're born into wrestling, you know, and then you know they, they try football. And then they get to wrestling afterwards because their passion is going to be wrestling anyway. They've watched yeah. their dads do it. They've watched their granddads do it, you know. You know, Randy Orton, he's a third generation wrestler. You know, you know wrestling it, is in his blood. All the people, Rey Mysterio, you know, another guy. Like, whereas Matt Riddle, like you said, or, you know, even Brock Lesnar to a lesser extent now, Ronda Rousey. If they were successful in the original goal, would they come across? It's all these former football players that be getting signed. You know, they look back, even with Mojo Rawley or someone like that. You know, because they failed at that sport, then they come into professional wrestling. Yeah. And it's like, you know, 
The one exception to the rule, I would maybe say, is Mark Henry. And weirdly enough, February 17th, 2019, the original special is the Mark Henry story, World's Strongest Man. And this is a guy who was a former world uh, power lifter. Well, yeah, Mark Henry, basically a DVD documentary, but I suppose it makes sense to do on the network. But can we please have one on Christian? Christian would be an excellent one to have. Uh, this is the Mark Henry one, of course, born in Silsby, Texas. Bookham Horns. Well, we see clips and pictures of his weightlifting from his earlier days. Yeah, and was he really the world's strongest man? Well, we're trying to find out in this documentary. But was Big Show really the world's largest athlete? This is the question. Yeah, exactly. It's always, you know. Was China really the ninth one? Well, yes, yeah, she was, actually. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is confirmed. And he was going to the 1992 Olympics. He gets a bit emotional talking about home and, you know, all his family life and that. Yeah, he lost his father, but Terry Todd was the father he never had, and he trained Mark Henry during the weightlifting. And did you know that he was going to go to the 96 Olympics? But McMahon called. Yeah, McMahon called up. Mark Henry took the phone call, and McMahon said, Hi, it's Fisherman, damn it. And he hung up because he didn't believe it was really Vince. That is a story that he told on Table for free, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, he... Next day, he was in Stanford, Connecticut, signing a 10-year contract with WWF. Probably the, one of the richest uh, money contracts at the time. I think they regretted it about a year yeah, after. Yeah, no, I think they did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, JBL and other wrestlers, they all had heat. Yeah, and he was injured, so he couldn't win in the Olympics, and he said it was a bit of a, a tra- travesty. Um, and we get D'Lo as a talking head as well, which uh, I really, really enjoyed. He put, D'Lo's put on weight. But he doesn't look too bad. I was just going to say, you know, um, Mark Henry, they're saying he, he could have been... Uh, Big Show said Mark Henry could have won gold, hands down, had he not been injured. But Kurt Angle won the Olympics with a broken freaking neck. Day of Olympics, he just shows you kind of fighting spirit. Uh, and then we see Mark Henry struggling to try and get involved in wrestling. And, and we see a lot nowadays of, you know, people training the performance centre and stuff like this. But this is a clip from 97. And if you look who's in the ring at the moment... well. You've got Albert. Uh, yeah, so if you look at the ring here, you see him training with Albert. You've got Jaws in the background there. And, of course, Edge on the left-hand side, who just joined WWE. So it's interesting to see Mark Henry getting trained. And the thing about WWE, they must have so much footage of like training other wrestlers, you know what I mean, throughout the years. They must have hordes and hordes of it to be able to show. But I'd rather it all in one big burst. I'd rather them, you know, just kind of filter it out yeah. to us. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool if you, you know, tell... Uh, show it properly and then we see Mark Henry we're dealing with the injuries and of course Delo's talking head and saying you know Mark at the time was really really green but then he joined the nation uh, and he said apart from Vince man, it was the rock that helped him out more than anybody else coming with him to advise and you know let him know trying to tweet the cat saying to him who are, re- who are you really Mark Henry you know you know then he went from the nation to his sexual chocolate character and is that him discovering who he really yeah, is? Is he exactly. really sexual chocolate? Oh, he, he loved it. And Vince getting hands on. You can see, you know, with the, the kind of clips and the vignettes backstage, like him going on a date with China and stuff. Vince McMahon saying, this is how you do it, damn it. You know, sit down and grab a butter. Balls. <laughs> I, don't know, you know. I don't know what lady parts women <laughs> have nowadays. Parts, Newfangled women parts. Speaking of lady parts, Mae Young went there. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of May Young and Mark Henry? Um, I think we should move on from that. Well, well, I tell you, Mark Henry did say funny when uh, say something funny when May Young gave birth to the hand again. Vince the man and Mark Henry saying to Vince, "So what's the meaning of the hand?" And Vince's like, "It's a hand, damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like, "Okay, <laughs> I don't know." 
Um, and then he went back to OVW to train a little bit more. Yes, and unfortunately his mum passed away and then he went to lift again. Yeah, so he's still employed with the WWE at this time and said to McMahon, you know, oh, I want to go. McMahon said, sure, but no one's interested in the second strongest man in the world. And then in 2002... It was the Arnold Classic where he came and won the World's Strongest Man competition and dedicated it to his mum. Uh, there was a weight that only people have lifted up into their chest and no one's ever lifted that. Mark Henry came in and, of course, lifted it head and shoulders above the competition and won. And then we jumped six years to ECW. We yeah. mentioned it, you know, with uh, the downslide of exactly. WWE. But... And Mark Henry, a former uh, ECW champion there. But he wanted to be in a real main event. Yes, and he got that at Knights of Champions 2011. Yeah, 15 years since his debut. And he won the world title. And what a rest to put him over than one of the greatest legends of the business, Randy Orton. Well, shows are talking head. He's looking a little bit older nowadays, poor big show. Yes, and now Mark Henry, since he's retired, he's an ambassador and he goes around the world. You know, just spreading the word of WWE. Yeah, and he's saying, you know, he's got a really good message as well about, you know, just treat everybody as equal. Uh, then we see his fake retirement speech, of course, with his salmon pink jacket. Yeah, he'd done that with John Cena, I think, and yeah. he said, you know, I'm going to retire. And then John Cena went to give him a hug and he just got ploughed. Because he said beforehand, he said that was his real retirement speech. He said he was going to do his real retirement speech, and that's why he cried and got emotional. But in the end, just lay out uh, John Cena. He walked into McMahon's office to retire. This is before the fake retirement speech. And said to McMahon, look, I've had enough. And he said, with McMahon, the problem is, if you speak to him more than five minutes, he somehow turns it around a little bit. And he did by walking out with a five-year contract. <laughs> so you can see. I want to retire. Oh, here's a five-year contract. Yeah. Uh, Mark Henry is really, really likeable, though. Because you can tell he loves what he's doing. You yeah. Know? He, he loves professional wrestling. And, of course, he got into Hall of Fame 2018 and for Mark Henry that was kind of like the, the point in his career that he really wanted you know some people might not be interested in the Hall of Fame and he calls himself a Mark because he wants to be recognised by his peers as being a good wrestler and I think Mark Henry looking back on his career I think deserves it when you look at all the kind of the, the, the lows and highs that he's had I think it's a Hall of Fame career you know most definitely yeah um, you know he I think the pressure of the 10 year contract kind of got to you know Vince is like right we've got to have him damn it we're going to put him yeah. on a 10 year contract and Mark Henry's like fucking hell you know <laughs> but you know it's good for him he went back to OVW he trained up some more you know he knew he was green unlike some other wrestlers that they're only there for name value and so on and so forth and yeah you know I thought it was very good yeah I thought it was a great documentary as well as we move on, we've got a new series of photo shoot season two premiere, March tenth, twenty nineteen, and it was AJ Styles. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, you know, AJ Styles, he is a damn good wrestler and a very, very good guy. Uh, I only put a couple of words. Yeah, uh, no, but you quite like photo shoot, don't you? I thing? absolutely love photo shoot. Yeah, I've, I went back and watched all the old ones previously, but coming back and. I think there's been three new episodes here, but, you know, we start off with the AJ Styles, and it came up, it started off with him as a, a really early days character, like a car salesman. Yes, yeah, yeah, when he was in Southpaw Wrestling, and they kind of, he said he really enjoyed it, because it's like different that he'd never done with WWE before, you know, kind of based 
in the, the 70s as it was. Uh, and then the next one was, of course, his debut at the Royal Rumble. Yes, and that, again, it shows what I think should have been shown during the Royal Rumble itself as opposed to Roman Reigns gawking on. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. that's nothing down to the wrestlers. That is obviously down to the cameraman and uh, whoever's backstage. Yeah. But I'd like to have seen the AJ Styles phenomenal thing flash up on screen and then you're seeing him coming out. Uh, the reactions thing, I think that's a bit silly, but that is what internet is like nowadays. Yeah, without a doubt. And and it was a definite surprise, you know. And, you, you could, and this is what AJ said, like... You know, backstage after signing, he didn't know what reaction he was going to get. And the yeah. pop he got was just the same cows. Do you know what I mean? You know, Absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, and then we see his incident. I think you see him draped over Dean Ambrose's shoulder. It happened. He got an inside-out suplex on chairs. He got stabbed in the butt. And he said, look, you know, it's not a wardrobe malfunction. His trousers done what they were yeah, supposed yeah, to. Yeah, rip yeah. if they got torn. And you can see, like, he had a bit of a gash in his butt cheek. Um, and, and I thought it was quite funny, you know. Yeah. He said, that, you know, people made a joke of it, but you know, it's true. Uh, and then we talk about a Matt Riddle awful promo early. We get AJ Styles' debut promo in the WWE and that from two thousand and one. Two thousand and one, because we we saw the match, didn't we? Like three or four months ago, and he said the match wasn't bad at all. But yeah. that promo was just like, you know, it made Matt Riddle look like Ric Flair. <laughs> Well, talking of Ric Flair, they show well, and even AJ Styles said, "I didn't think he was going to show this," yeah. but they showed uh, Styles when he was Ric Flair's protege, and he, you know, he got himself a robe, but he said he didn't have long to make it, and his robe looked shit. absolutely shit. But you know, they did try, and but isn't it funny how like Ric Flair has had so many different proteges going know. through? You know, we we're seeing like the transition of Charles Robinson at the moment in the <laughs> WCW eras. We got AJ Styles. And we'll see, we see a few more coming exactly. up. Exactly, we had Miz, you know, people like that as well. That was member Fortune. And then his WrestleMania debut at WrestleMania 32, when he was going against Chris Jericho. And, of course, he didn't show any of Jericho in it because, obviously, now he's, you know, Indeed, yeah. so to speak. But, uh, no, you know, fireworks going off and he's <laughs> like, it's fucking loud. <laughs> this loud. <laughs> and then, as you know, he, he describes going out the curtain and just seeing... and. All he saw was faces looking at him. And, yeah. you know, I've not been in front of huge crowds, but not, not one time was there over 100,000 people just looking at me. Yeah, no, honestly, out. it was really, really impressive. It was really good to see kind of behind-the-scenes stuff as well. And then he got to be the face on the case, yeah, not the like runs of place. But, you know, to be in a wrestling game is a dream of his, but to be on the cover and the cover start of 2K19... It's an absolute dream come true, and especially someone like him as a, a game lover. Well, we see, him, yeah, we sorry, but we saw him get into the shop, didn't we? And then yeah. look at the game. Mary Kate and Ashley won. He's <laughs> <laughs> like three dollars, four dollars. He's like, I, you know, I got to buy it, maybe, you know. But he hates losing, though. He said, with, "Well, with it was, you know, that was with Kofi Kingston. I think it was those playing Madden, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kofi it was, was kind of like the up, up, down, down <laughs> thing. And Kofi absolutely obliterated him. Uh, you know, he loves gaming, but hates losing, and he is the worst loser ever. Yeah, and he was blaming his controller, which you could tell was a terrible player with that as well, you know. Uh, then we see the club all together. What with, was their favourite thing to do? Uh, beating up John Cena, wasn't it? That's it, yeah. Uh, which, you know, it was. it's a shame what they're doing with Ganson at the moment, you know, especially when you see the connection of AJ And the Styles. potential. Without a doubt, you know, it's a shame. 
Um, yeah, but, you know, you mentioned John Cena, and he had very good matches with John Cena. The only thing I didn't really like is Mauro Ronaldo comment, commentating on the yeah. uh, SummerSlam match. Yes, yeah, but he was your match of the year, I think it was. So. Oh, the Royal Rumble one was. Oh, uh, was it? I think both of them got it. Did they? I think you both We'll have to have a look back, but I know the Royal Rumble one from you, the you, following January. You just talk about chemistry between the two, though, and you see how great yeah. you know, they can interact. and Styles even admitted, he said, look, AJ Styles are both different ends of the spectrum. They're both great at what they do, but they're both different ends. But, you know, they did gel really well and they got on. And he said, you know, there's a picture of him posing with John Cena's headband on and he said, it goes around my head. It's yeah. so like, fuck knows what his biceps were like. Well, this is a funny thing, isn't it? He's running around like it, uh, with a headband. But he's also saying because at the moment teaming up with Anderson that they were you know beating up Cena all the time, and he just get picked all three of them just showing their abs off because Gallows is no longer a fatty. Do you know what I mean? He's been working. No, Anderson's no longer a fatty. Anderson, so he, he's yeah. ripped now as well, so he's showing off his body, which I thought was really really funny. And uh, you see him when he came, well when Mysterio rejoins, like you know they got a fight together, and, that, and AJ Styles said he really admires Rey Mysterio. He has been at the top of his game. Pretty much since he started. Yeah, without a doubt, you know. And then the WWE title win, of course, first time around at Backlash, beating Dean Ambrose and saying that he'd reached the top of the mountain, you know, so far. And again, it's something that a lot of people would never have thought would happen. No, doubt, no doubt. Um, and then you see a picture of Charlotte sleeping. She's got like a cloth over her face. She's got a <laughs> coat wrapped round her. Uh, she's got a neck cushion on because Charlotte Flair's been posting pictures of AJ Styles asleep. Yeah. Quite natural asleep. And AJ Styles is like, well, I'll get you back. And, you know, posted a picture of her like that. And then another interesting picture of him and Kurt Angle wrestling uh, in TNA. And he said that with Kurt Angle. Yeah, and this is something that Shawn Michaels said as well, interesting enough. Like, when you're in the ring with Kurt Angle, he doesn't put, doesn't stop for a breath. You've got to think, you've got to make sure your tank is full when you're going with Angle. And, you know, you consider the talent AJ and Shawn Michaels are and saying that about Kurt, you know, maybe not today, but, you know, five years ago. It made me want to go and watch a Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles match in Impact or TNA, oh, you know. most definitely, yeah. I mean, that was, I suppose... It wouldn't work nowadays, Kang, because, you know, no disrespect to him, I think he's yeah, yeah. injury plagued and but a pre ninety six Kurt Angle oh, versus AJ know. Styles would have been awesome. But we can only dream and uh and yeah, you know, he, he again he's someone that really admires Angle and what he's done for the business and then we go on to Shane and he says some very complimentary things about mm. Shane as well, saying that he's very athletic, you know, he he wants to make everything click during matches as well. Does that kind of, you know, to get the AJ Styles stamp well, of I approval, think it does, does that? Because, you, know. you know, I, I know you for certain, well, me as well, we're not the hugest fans of Shane McMahon. Yeah, because... well, Shane relies on the kind of the, the normal bump things, but there's no doubt that, you know, he can go in the ring and someone like AJ Styles is just going to bring out the best in you. And I think Shane appreciates that about AJ, you know, when people were worrying about that match and they really did deliver in the ring. But yes, it had Shane's moves in it. But Styles bought it, you know, and I yeah. think that's that's something special about him. And you speak about special as well with Shane, uh, with with AJ Styles, his second title win, which still gets at me actually because it happened in Manchester, you know. Yeah. And, and I still feel like there's two things that I'm not going to regret, you know, with this takeover London and the the W title win. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame just for them. Yeah, I, I think so as well, you know. And then he moves on to Smart Joe and about the kind of history that he had with him. Uh, and I don't really think they've had a, a classic match in WWE yet, but obviously right. in a, a old days, Ring of Honor, and of course uh, TNA as well. 
Indeed, yeah, and you know, it's ribs as well. Oh, it's yeah. not his initials, it is all his kids because they're all named AJ. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Four kids, all AJ. Uh, oh, another thing as well, when he won his first title, uh, Triple H came up to him and was like, not a bad first nine months, kid. And I, like, and I thought that was quite a nice comment. It was all right, you know what I mean? Nothing spectacular, was it, you know? No. Uh, it, it was it was your, kind of, your basic kind of photo shoot. Yeah, I thought it was very good. Uh, AJ Styles is a very humble wrestler. Yeah. And I would like to have seen more pre-WWE. I know, like, it, you know, it's Ring of Honor and it's traveling the world japan and that but i'd like to have seen because you know 90 percent of what was on here is what we've seen anyway yeah, uh, well, and I it's think good having his unique insight yes. into it don't get me wrong but i would like to have seen more of outside of wwe but well, again you know it was very good i think the thing is with aj styles is because he's been so good but he has been one of the stars of so we've seen a lot of his stuff it would be photo shoot or other w network programs or dvds or just highlights and I think with that episode, you kind of, like I said, you knew what you're getting. I think on the second photo shoot, March 11th, 2019, with Dolph Ziggler, it was different because we've not seen a lot of... We, obviously, we've seen him in a lot of wrestling, but we've not seen a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And I think the Ziggler one kind of took photo shoot to kind of next level, if you know Well, I mean. this was photo shoot slash chronicle. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah you're right. Um, well, he starts off about his uh, his kind of partnership with Vicky Guerrero. And uh, there's, you know, there's a moment with her and John Cena in the ring uh, and him and they're just getting booed so much. And he even says, you know, that they are just getting terribly booed and, you know, they had to go to commercial break. And when they was coming back, she just couldn't get a word in edgeways. And Cena was pissing himself. He looked like he had to keep covering his face as well, Dolph Ziggler, because he, he was laughing. Um, but... He, he also went to say that this is kind of like the me that I am. Yeah, and this is the thing. Yeah, he said, uh, look at look at Dolph Ziggler here. Look at the kind of the way I'm dressed. Uh, he also talks about Kerwin White as well. Now, anybody that doesn't know Kerwin White, it was Chavo Guerrero back in 2005. They decided to turn him into a kind of a bleach blonde hair and turn him into a kind of golfer, basically. They tried to turn him white. Uh, from Latino to exactly. white. So Kerwin White, he was trying to be accepted... Uh, by the whites, I suppose. And this is something that kind of slipped past you, but he did have a, a caddy. Yes. Who was uh, Nick Namath, a.k.a. Dolph Ziggler. And, <clears throat> you know, as Dolph Ziggler, he's got a vest on, he's got uh, jeans with rips in and trainers and a trucker hat, and that's kind of what Dolph Ziggler wears. Yeah. But this guy, he had, like, black trousers, he had golf shoes, he had a... a and he had to actually have a look at what golfers wear. And he even saw, like, Tiger Woods' his caddy wearing a white bib. That's why he's wearing his as well. And, you know, it was a bit of a dodgy promo. He done, like, yes. you know, whether yeah. you're chipping in or whether you're driving or whether you're putting, I'm going to be right by your side. Well, he had no idea, you know. Like I said, it was completely different to what he's used to. But he loved working with Chava and loved learning from him as well. You know, and even only had a few tag team matches. And it's quite funny. So, you know, some guys come in here and straight away get a, a title opportunity or, you know, get a, get a shot at, uh, at something really important. And I got a caddy and he said, I was just got given that. And I said, I was trying my best with it. He said, you know, people might say it's a bit of a negative, but I try and turn it into a po- positive. Unfortunately for him, his second gimmick change wasn't as successful either, was it really? <laughs> no, because that was the Spirit Squad. And uh, I think that was about for a year. 
Yeah, I mean, they were tag team champions at one point. There were loads of talent like um, Sergeant Slaughter and Roddy Piper, Ric Flair. Uh Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, H even had Shane McMahon and Vince up on his shoulders as well because they was kind of like the the hill. Yeah, exactly. They, they were used. They got covered in kind of green paint and shit, and you know, kind of they got re. Uh, at the end, they got sent to a box, I think, and sent back to an OVW to to get changed. And again, he said people could look at that as a negative. He said, but the amount of talent they worked, he said, the amount I learned, you know, he said, he said it, it kind of made it worthwhile. He said people might want to laugh at it, but that's, that's how I started, and that's. He, he did the best with what he's got, you know. Indeed, yes, and you know where some people, i.e., the rest of the Spirit Squad, might have folded and just yeah. didn't do anything more memorable. He's actually capitalised on that and took that experience under his belt and turned it into Dolph Ziggler. <clears throat> and uh, then he goes on to have a very good match against Kofi Kingston. Oh, without a doubt, you know, and he he could have had a best of five hundred series of Kofi. Uh, with the amount of times that they faced each other off, but it was always different, wasn't it? Yeah, know? and uh, they was finding new ways to counter each other's finishes and try and make it more exciting. And and uh, and I think that's how you kind of grow as a wrestler as well, because you know you have you familiarise yourself with a wrestler, and you know it kind of helps progress things like that. You know, and he could probably go back and have a great match with Kofi Kingston today, and yeah. they'd still gel really well. Well, I even at, uh, I think it was SummerSlam that special match. And uh, he said, even though it started off the show, they just wanted to sh- we wanted to show everybody like no matter where you are on the card, if you have the best match of the night, then it's gonna you know you're gonna be the main event no matter what. And I quite like you know Ziggler saying that because he, he seemed more I don't know down to I know he's gonna show off gimmick and stuff, but this Ziggler talking about his career, he's sounded kind of cool guy that had kind of no regrets about it. You know, it just it, it was the way it ended up in the end. Uh, then the Money in the Bank victory. And I was annoyed at the time that he pushed Christian off ladder. I thought Christian was finally going to get his opportunity. And Ziggler, of course, uh, got it. But it is quite good how they've how they'd kind of set it up. I don't know how <clears throat> I don't know how staged that was or how set up it was. But you know, he got thrown over the table yeah. by Tensai, I think he was known, Prince Albert yeah. or whatever. Fucking Matt Bloom, Matt yeah, Bloom, yeah, yeah. A train. But then, like, you know, he kind of, you see him dragging himself across the ladder and then, you know, following Christian up the ladder, pushing him off. Christian headbutting the ladder and falling <laughs> yeah. down. And Dolph Ziggler finally getting to it and he got a massive ovation for that as well. Oh, I doubt, you know, the fans were really happy. They, they show a picture of AJ Lee, which is interesting as well because, I mean, they have to speak about her when involved with Ziggler's career. Of course, she's the... Not been spoke of. She was a manager. Of course, Biggie was his heavy at the time as well. You know, and Ziggler. So he's had a good match with Kofi. He's teamed <laughs> up with Biggie. <laughs> Fuck me! I bet he's uh, uh, Xavier Woods is like, damn it. Bet he's, uh, Woods will fight him. Uh, and which you know, again, the feud with Cena uh, and the kind of the, the way they had was kind of positioning Ziggler on top of the card. Uh, and then at WrestleMania, it was Alberto Del Rio versus Swagger. And they was all chanting for Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. And uh, you, you see him there backstage watching the match, didn't you? As the I'd have, been, I'd have had the most smug grin on my face. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you know. Uh, but yeah, he didn't. And then the next night on Raw, uh, Swagger versus Del Rio again. And then Hugh Jackman, of course, getting involved as well. Which, this is another great moment, I thought. Yeah, he said to him, look, if you don't really fucking hit me, I'm going to come back and find you. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. And he hit him so hard that he thought it broke his jaw. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Wolverine for it, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll give this guy what I think. But my favourite bit from this whole thing is Vicky Guerrero introducing the new uh, Dolph Ziggler. Like, he, he loved his hair. 
I cut it short and dark, and I said, yeah, that's it, right, you can go back to what you was now, like two weeks later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what? what was, was there just a bet backstage? <laughs> I, I bet I can get him to cut his hair. Yeah. It would be funny, Vince McMahon going, I want all the guys with long hair cut short. And then, like, Ziggler gets, gets it done, and then McMahon's like, where's Ziggler? I've not seen him for a couple of weeks. I want him back. <laughs> He's like, oh, bless him. Um, and then he talks about Rick and you know <laughs> well you know we've had AJ Styles with Ric Flair but I can't remember this bit no I can't either uh, but, but he's, he's talking about you know the kind of what he learnt from him and, and seeing him backstage uh, and just kind of the impact that legend would have on his game but Ziggler saw Flair back in the day on VHS and Betamax and stuff like that uh, you know, and trying to learn about him. He says he found Flair a lot sooner than a lot of wrestlers did, you know. Well, see, you know, a lot of us discount Flair because of what we see from nowadays. But, you know, even the last two hidden gems, it's like AJ Styles, yeah, he's worked with Flair and... Uh, not AJ, uh, fucking hidden gems. Uh, photo shoots, AJ Styles worked with Ric Flair, Dolph Ziggler admired Ric Flair. You know, a lot of them, you can track it back to Ric Flair and he is... An influence on a lot of people. Yeah, you know, he was a very charismatic fella. And then we go on to Edge when he was working with him. Again, you know, he, he'd talk to him a lot backstage and he'd try and learn from him because Edge is someone he looked up to as well, you know, in the business. A very great worker and he'd try and learn from him and he'd want to have the best matches he can with Edge. Yeah, and he, he says that, you know, he's like on the road and just be able to learn from how great he is and their match they had at the Rumble. Because I, I saw that recently as well, the, the, the World Title match. And the crowd really were fucking into that match. 50-50 you know? split as well. Really were, you know. And that's credit to Ziggler. You talk about the reaction he's had. There was another cool photo early on where I think he went for a headbutt and he cut his head open and there is, you know, bleached blonde hair was red as well, which are a really good vision. He sent you know? a picture of that to his mum and she's like, yeah, good match. When did you get pink highlights? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Not the big fucking scar on my head. Thanks, yeah. mum. Uh, and then he talks about the Miz. And of course, you know, people. He said when the Miz came in, he had a lot of, you know, people against him. He said he didn't, you know, he liked the Miz. He knew that he was, uh, you know, showing his willingness, and you know, he had a good rivalry had matches with him as well. Now, match at um, got championship was my match of the year a couple of years ago. Yes, yeah, so and then we go on to see him winning the U.S. title. He was kind of added into a triple threat match. I don't think even me or you kind of saw it come in and then the next night he relinquishes it and says, look, right, there you go. Yeah, and we, thought, and we thought, oh, hang on a minute, it's going to be start something special, you know. It's, it's going to be uh, uh, a plan for him. And no, just showed up again at the Rumble, you're number 30. And there we go, that was job done. And then Jeff Tremaine, of course, because he was the unofficial face of Swerved and uh, he got a lot of people uh, annoyed with that with the chair thing. I can't believe Ziggler fell for the chair trick. Do you know what I mean? Like, if he's doing that on people, you're going to realise, sitting on that, yeah. you're going to cause yourself trouble. And then McIntyre? Yeah, Drew McIntyre. I mean, it was good what he said because, you know, the way they were, he was, he was saying to Vince, uh, a bit like Mark Henry thing. Oh, uh, Vince, I, I'm going to take some time off. You know, I want to maybe, you know, do a tour for like six months to a year. And Vince's like, no, damn it, you're teaming with McIntyre. <laughs> then he goes up to Drew and he's like, Drew, did you suggest this? And McIntyre's like, no. And he goes, oh, I guess we're together then. Let's let's make it about a team that are two individuals. You look completely different, got different styles, but are there to show the young guys that they can't slack around and there's no time anymore. And I think that tag team, even though they were tag team champions, had a lot more life to it, but they decided to, 
to you know change it up. And I feel Ziggler McIntyre maybe could have even been together now, and it wouldn't have really affected anybody else's momentum. Do you know what I mean in that weird way? But now, I mean, of course, he's doing his um, comedy stand up, which is quite successful at the moment. You know, and uh, what what are your thoughts on the photo shoot? I thought it was very insightful. Lots of great moments that I didn't even think of. Um, he is a hugely, hugely underrated wrestler. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'd like to see an extended version of that. Or, like, you know, a, a, a bigger chronicle. Because I think there is so much more to Dolph Ziggler than meets the eye. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, and I, I think, you know, overall he's a great guy. He's someone who... Again, you can see his passion for the business. Some of these people that come in it just just for the money. But with Dolph Ziggler, you know, who's a wrestling fan first and foremost, and then got into it, and the passion kind of takes over, and he's taken every opportunity that mm. he's had. He's been covered in green stuff. He's been covered in brown stuff. Yeah, and more than once, because of the yeah, AJ, <laughs> the AJ I mean. thing. Uh, but this is the thing as well, though, is that with Ziggler, you can see the frustration from him and the kind of opportunities that he had. It, I would really like to see... Uh, him have another chance, you know. If they if, if they could do it with Kofi Kingston, I think Ziggler's another one. Give him a proper fucking title run, you know. Give him one last chance. Uh, it makes me uh, think about Ziggler that like, I really really like, and I can't quite put my finger on it. But uh, you know what I mean? There's just saying that either the attitude or whether it is. Like I said, a DVD of him would be perfect as well. But a great photo shoot for the for the second episode. So we move on to our last episode of photo shoot, which is March eighteenth, twenty nineteen, and Natalia, twenty four minutes long. And the first picture was about Ronda Rousey. Yes, Natalia's photo shoot, and the first photo was Ronda Rousey. <laughs> but she said, you know, when she first saw her, and actually she went up to her, gave her a big hug, and I think one of her first matches was against Natalia. And yeah, yeah. She helped her learn to wrestle, basically, yeah. before the centre as well. You know, Natalia was uh, helping out with Ronda Rousey and just basically teaching her the ropes, and there's kind of a, a close relationship there. And then her debut in 2008, Eight, and let's not forget about that. You know, coming in and atta- I mean, I attacking could, Michelle McCall. Yeah, you could barely recognise Natalia back then how young she looked, but she made a statement like I said eleven years ago. And then she kind of uh, there's a picture of her with uh, Ivan Koloff. Is it Koloff? Nikita Koloff. Nikita Koloff. And he used to babysit her when she was younger. I'm yeah. not going to go into that. Cause... No, I mean, it was, it was a nice moment. You know, she talked about the legends, like you're saying. And then Great Carly, she says she he is the Andre the Giant <laughs> of today. <laughs> uh, no. No? No. And talking of the man who should be the Andre Giant of today, Hornswoggle. And, they, you know, quite memorable, unmemorable. Them three used to... I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Them three used yeah. to kind of team up. I think there was a second worst faction just in front of 3MB. Oh, I really like Hornswoggle, Carly and Natalia. It was great. Bret Hart and, of course, Canadian Stampede 1997, where she said it was the last time. The kind of whole family was together in the ring, you know, nieces and nephews. I mean, there was at least 150 Heart fans. At least members. 278. There was, there was so many. They just flooded it. Yeah. And then her Divas title win as well was featured. Yes. Um, her winning the title off of... It probably, uh, yeah, it was, I think yeah. it was Lakehall because yeah. there was two titles, weren't there? Yeah, it must have been Lakehall who... Well, well, she made one of them tap out. And then we see uh, a picture of her and... Beth Phoenix as well. And Beth Phoenix is fucking tall. Beth or is Phoenix, Natalia really short? Well, I think a bit of both. But, you know, they said they were like sisters and the kind of relationship 
bouncing off each other, and of course they formed a divas of them. Yes, and uh, that what was that fucking pin-up strong finisher as well. Yeah, yeah, that looks absolutely fucking brutal. I mean, they were talking about you know the submissions and stuff like that they were using as well. You know, they were just trying to beat the shit out of all the demons and they, at the time. And uh, there was another one they made cry as well. I can't remember her name, was it? Oh, Alicia yeah. Fox. Fox. Yeah. And then we see TJ slash Tyson Kidd. He is a really funny looking cunt. Mm-hmm. And his fucking runner as well, that irritated me. I, I, I really wasn't a fan of TJ or Tyson Kidd. Well, I don't know. I quite like the Hart Dynasty. Of course, David Hart Smith, Natalia. And Tyson Kidd, and they were tag team champions as well. And did feature at WrestleMania 26 when it was Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon in possibly the worst WrestleMania match of all time. Yes, when uh, Vince screwed, oh no, sorry, Bret screwed Vince. Bret screwed Vince that time, yeah. And the Hart family, Vince thought he'd bought them off, but they actually kind of done the old switcheroo because the Hart family were in cahoots. And in cahoots, in cahoots. And she also says she's a, a writer, she's a, a sharp shooter. So to speak, what was the name of her? Article. She's a sharpshooter. Oh, is that the sharpshooter? Yeah, oh, yeah, she's, she's a sharpshooter. Once a month or once a week. Once or... a week or something like that. She got interviews and she loves doing it. And I guess that was a plug for that, you know. <laughs> Most definitely, yeah. <laughs> but it's sold all over Canada. Yeah. And then, like, you know, you see the Cesaro kid tag team. And again, she really respects Cesaro. He's in a tag team. I, and... I like that when she said, if you're with Cesaro, he, brings, he does bring out the best and he makes you better. Uh, and I think Credit Cesaro is he's chronically underused talent, isn't he? Especially like he was in a tag team and now he's in another tag team. Do you know what We've I mean? We've said just, this since the inception yeah. of the podcast. He is incredibly underrated and uh, kind of um, a gimmick that Natalia had wiped from her memory, Fartalia. <laughs> Do you remember Fartalia? I actually don't remember Fartalia. Oh, my no. God. It was a gimmick on SmackDown and it was awful. And we saw clips of, you know... Her farting and then being embarrassed and then she kind of owned it herself. And she said, you know, like, the essay gave me that and it's like I don't really look back on, but, you know, I tried my best. And from that then, uh, kind of career improved a little bit somewhat. Yes, you had a very, very good match against Charlotte in NXT in 2014 when she kind of went back down to NXT. Charlotte was the current NXT Divas champion as it was then. And they had a very absolute classic match. I think Ric Flair was in Charlotte's corner. Bret Hart was in her corner. And it's kind of like a rivalry for the ages. Uh, Quite an underrated match. And then uh, she was one of the original members of Total Divas as well. Yeah, Total Divas, which, you know, for its time is still going now. And, of course, got Total Bellas involved in that. And then the first ever Women's Rumble. And that's quite a cool picture. We, We saw all the 30 of them. Or 30 women that's going to compete. She said it was a part of history. And they all, all had each other's back, didn't they? There was no kind of... Yeah, uh, well, when they was going that. out of the curtain and that, they was all wishing each other luck and saying, you know, you know, I hope you do well. And then she eliminated Beth Phoenix from yeah. said Women's Royal Rumble. I know. Uh, then we see Jimmy Anvil, Nine Hart, of course, her dad. And, you know, she's quite sweet at this moment, saying that... Uh, even though he's gone, like she, she'll never forget him. She'll always be with her. So. And he's always there if she wants to talk. Yeah, she wants to talk and, you know, always be a part of her life, which, you know, I thought was quite sweet. Uh, again, you know, not bad, apart from the Grumpy Cat and the Total Divas thing. Uh, I think Natalia, again, is another talent that has done a lot more than maybe we realise, you know, or used particularly yeah. well, you know, especially when she's been Divas champion and, of course, you know, um, SmackDown Women's champion at last, just last year, you know. Yeah, it, it wasn't terrible. It was all about family, which 
you know, I would like to have seen it more about Natalia and what she's done as opposed to, you know, TJ and everyone. You know, it's, her first picture was about Ronda fucking Rousey, yeah, for God's yeah, sake. But, yeah, it, it wasn't a terrible one. But I'd like to have seen a bit more Natalia base as opposed to everyone Natalia knows. Mm. Oh, another bit of that. Well, it's a new program, an old program now, February 13th, 2019, if we didn't catch it last time round. The Iconics, Billy Kane, Peyton Royce, explain why they win the Women's Championship. They didn't. But again, another five minutes of quite interesting. I'm a fan of the Iconics. I want to say you're a fan. Of- I, I enjoy what they do. I find them highly annoying, but I think that's... Which, for me, makes them quite entertaining as well. Hopefully, they'll get a shot at the title somewhere down the road. Right, last thing up is hidden gems on new content. I do like me some hidden gems. And uh, I was looking for it the other day. And this is from June 8th, 2017, for Pete's sake. And it's Pete Dunne defending his NXT UK title against Mark Andrews, Dan. Now, is this a match you've ever seen? No. I'm sure I would have remembered it, but it's something that's come completely out of the blue. Well, are you sure? Because it's May 8th, 2017. Now, think about that date for a second now. Would that have been when we was... Well, if you just look <laughs> where Pete Dunn <laughs> Dun is with Mark Andrews putting on a submission, this is from Brighton, the live show that oh, was I don't there. This. <laughs> and we saw Mark Andrews versus Pete Dunn because we're there, Dan, in the front row. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. There I am watching the action. So it's weird what you can find on the network, really. And that, for Pete's sake, June 8th, 2017. Again, another one of the kind of history of the WNR podcast is put on the network now. And look, I'm not saying it's just because our close association with the network, but I'd like to thank you guys there for sticking this on. Uh, and also, we must feature on the network at, at least 20 times, you know? At least 30 times, yeah. When you consider the amount of times that we've been on it. So, Dan, that's a nice memory to have on the network, isn't it? That is absolutely great, yes, uh... If you're listening, WWE Network, Hidden Gems Department, could you also add the uh, tag match that was the main event for that and the Ember Moon versus Oscar match Yeah, as well? I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having the full show there. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, and the offers of pain, bit. And the offers, yeah. You the man! You the man! Andrews, Pete Dunn, UK title. We've seen that. With Every Dog Has His Day, September 9th, 1983. We get Junkyard Dog and Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer and battle to see whether it's the size of the dog in the fight or the size of the fight in the dog. And up next, we've got On Broadway, Hidden Gems as well, February 19th, 1979. Yeah, the WWE Championship is on the line at the world's most famous arena as Bob Batlin defends against Greg the Hammer Valentine. Then the spirit of competition, August 1st, 1998. And Hall of Famer Booker T and Craig Pitbull Pittman engage in some friendly amateur wrestling at the WCW Power Plant. Battle of Breakfast Cereal. (laughs) Oh my God, this one's going to be a fucking classic. May 1st, 1989, legendary superstars such as Nutra Rockne, Total the Terrible and Honda the Honeybee compete in this bizarre battle for breakfast supremacy. Another hidden gems is March to WrestleMania 9, March 28th, 1993. A macho man Randy Savage battles Yokozuna and The Undertaker faces Bam Bam Bigelow on the road to WrestleMania. So I know you love WrestleMania 9, so why don't you tell me a bit more about the event, Dan? 
the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Yes, this is the march to WrestleMania 9, and it's from the 7th of March, 1993. It was from North Carolina, USA. Uh, the broadcast date was 28th of March, 93. Bobby Heenan and Vince McMahon on commentary. You had Joe Kazuna defeating Randy Savage in 6 minutes, 36 seconds. You had a singles match, Mr. Perfect defeating Skinner. I remember Skinner, yes, the old Skinner. tobacco <laughs> chewing man. Uh, he beat him in 5 minutes, 27. We had Kamala with Reverend Slick defeating Kim Shee in 2 minutes, 10. A non-title match, Money Incorporated at IRS. And Ted DiBiase defeated Jerry Sabin and Reno Riggins. We had a singles match, Tatanka defeating George South. And we had a six-man tag team match, the Bushwhackers, Butch and Luke, and Tiger Jackson defeating Little Louie and the Beverly Brothers. And we also had a singles match, The Undertaker, with Paul Bearer defeating Bam Bam Bigelow by count out. Yeah, it was a great event. I know you love WrestleMania 9, and when I was watching the Raws, to, to, you know, Raw after Raws it was, and then they were talking about March WrestleMania 9, you thought, oh, I'm missing out on that. And I tell you something, Yokozuna match, a match at the start, is is quite entertaining, uh, and, and Yokozuna actually gets the victory there. And, of course, yeah, I always loved The Undertaker, as it was. So, WrestleMania 9 still for you. You loved this sort of t- uh, gem, didn't you? Well, it's one of the, my earliest wrestling memories. So, you know, it's just always going to hold a place in my heart. You know, it was something that got me hooked. It was the extravagance of it all. Bobby the Brain healing coming down backwards on an elephant. <laughs> I mean, what's not to love about that? Yeah. And the world's biggest toga party. But the last hidden gem we got at the moment is March WrestleMania 10, which was March 13th, 1994. And we had Lex Luger defeating Jimmy Del Rey with Jim Cornette and Tom Pritchard at 8.36. Bam Bam Bigelow with Luna Vachon defeating Ben Jordan at 3.37. Intercontinental title match, Razor Moan defeats Tony DeVito. Is that Danny's big brother? That is Danny's big brother at 4.11. Singles match, Earthquake defeating The Executioner at 158. Crush defeating Bret Hart at 12.41. Bit of a surprise there, but it was thanks to Owen Hart getting involved, and Bret basically carried that match himself. The tag team title match, the Quebecers defeating Mike Bell and PJ Walker at 4.11. And you can see the card is basically for the choppers, but the main event, Yokozuna defeats Tatanka at 9 minutes 20, and that stops Tatanka's undefeated streak, where he's heading into WrestleMania. So Yokozuna was the champion there. But it's a bit of history, you know. And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan's politics, we wouldn't have had 9 and 10 the way it happened. You know, Bret Hart would have beaten Yokozuna at WrestleMania 9 and we would have had something different. But of course, with the ladder match, you know, between Michaels and Razor Ramon, uh, WrestleMania 10 really stands. I love these hidden gems because it's 90 minutes, but it adds something. It's like the heat before WrestleMania. Do you know what I mean? It adds something else to it. So that is hidden gems and new content for the month. So we move on to 205 Live and your Cruiserweight champion Buddy Murphy promised to make an announcement on his immediate WWE future on Twitter and he tweeted, Since my arrival to 205 Live I have loved every moment and going from nothing to something was an incredible achievement for myself. That being said, I would like to officially announce that I will not be on 205 Live for the foreseeable future. Yes! No! Please say he's going to AEW. No, well... Or Impact. The champ is going on a well-deserved vacation back to his hometown of Melbourne, Australia for the next few weeks because the champ does what he wants when he wants. 
I'll be watch- he will be watching closely to see who advances in the Buddy Murphy Classic. Who wants to try and stop? Yeah, stop also. Buddy Murphy is going to take some well-known rest. Yeah, he, he does. He does deserve it after wrestling one match a month at pay-per-view kickoffs. He's and he, never during Two Hundred Five Live anyway. Well, but, he we watch him. You moan that yeah. we watch him every month on Two Hundred Five yeah. Live. You, you moan every month. I don't the, moan that we watch the him WNR, Live So we watch one of his matches a month, on, and we're going to miss him. Like you said, Dan, I can tell no, you're I'm upset not. by I'm it. I'm going to miss him like I'd miss cancer. It's a shame that your champion Buddy Murphy is going to sit back, but he's going to relax until WrestleMania. Can we move on to 205 Live in this episode 117, the 19th of February? with our usual Drake Maverick hype talking about the show and announcing an eight-man tournament to determine Buddy Murphy's challenger at WrestleMania. Oh, so he's waiting until WrestleMania to find out who his challenger will be. But the first match is Humberto Carrillo versus TJ Perkins, or TJP. And this is TJP's last WWE match, so we're going to watch the final five minutes. TJP's in control in the early going. But you were a huge fan of Perkins. He was your pick, wasn't he, for TWC? He was, yes, and... You know, having to work on a show when you've got the so-called champ hardly ever wrestling and taking all this time off, I suppose, why the fuck would you want to be on that show? The first ever Cruiserweight champion. Yeah, and I don't think he's kind of uh, really made that much difference in WWE when we talk about TJP. Because the thing is, he came in, like I said, first ever Cruiserweight champion on CWC and was a really good wrestler on it. But I just don't think personality-wise, he really came across as, as anything really special. And if you look at the Cruiserweight champions that have passed then, you know, you might forget that Perkins was a Cruiserweight champion. Maybe that's why he's trying to go away for now on the independent scene, maybe back to Japan to kind of rebuild his career. Because he had a lot of success in the independent scenes before he came over to uh, the WWE. He was in, uh, I think, Impact, wasn't he, for, for a time? I think he was up suicide underneath the mask. Uh, and exactly, if TJP wants to go there and maybe help out his career, then I don't think he's a main event level talent. I, even mid-card, I don't really see him, even when he you know was all successful in WWE, going for like an Intercontinental Championship or US title. But it'd be nice to kind of be proved wrong. You know, he's still got age on his side. And going against a young guy like uh, Humberto Carrillo, kind of been brought up recently as well. You know, he's going to try and show what he can do. And we're impressed with him. It was your pick again in the Wells Collide tournament as well, I do believe. My pick's going against each other. So one of them's going to leave and hopefully one of them's got a bright future. But like you said, with a dominant champion like Buddy Murphy there, is there any I point? never said well, no, the word can... dominant, The thing is, I? is, is, is like I said lazy. TJP is leaving. So if you're going to quote me, you can quote me word for lazy champion, yeah, but not you dominating. Said, you said TJP is leaving because of the threat of Buddy Murphy. He I didn't say the, the fucking champion. threat yeah, of Buddy just... Murphy in disguise or something. Well, the thing is, the guy defends his title every month, and we see him every month on the, the podcast as well. So there's at least two matches he's having a month. But like I said, he can't get in the main event scene. Buddy Murphy has been a dominant champion, so there's no point him being around. Like you said, maybe it's time for 205 Live to cut out the kind of chaff that's kind of been there a long time. You might even throw, and I hate to say it, 
Jack Gallagher and Drew Gulak in there because they've been looking at ringside. But really, what are they going to accomplish here on 205 Live at the moment? You know, Jack could possibly go over to NXT UK, whereas Gulak, we've seen him in NXT before as well. So maybe there's possibilities there and try and build it up a little bit different. Same thing with Cedric. Now, has he had now too many chances on 205 Live? Is it, is it time for him maybe to move on? And Humberto Carrillo now on the apron. Perkins takes him off. Well, Perkins with a submission now. And he's caught Carrillo. He's in serious trouble. Can't get to that bottom rope at the moment. It's like a variation of the STF. And TJP is a submission specialist. So Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher are down here to try and coerce Humberto into being part of their team. They obviously see something in him, something special, and they want to kind of make it part Maybe a three-man team here for Humberto. Well, I don't think them being in a three-man team works. I mean, didn't they have the Brian Kendrick for a while and they just outcast him when he got... I, I think 205 Live at the moment, kind of, they like to rehash kind of old things. And for me, there is only one positive on 205 Live anyway. So, I mean, they, they, to change it up and maybe try different things, you know, like I said, three-man teams, what are they going to do? Go against the um, Lucha House Party, you know, so... again. Now, both men on the apron. Well, it was only a couple of weeks ago, TJP was teaming up with Mike Kennellis to take the masks of Lucha House Party. So, <coughs> he's obviously been frustrated with the kind of the booking that he's had, as he just got drop-kicked off the apron. Well, anyone would want to leave after teaming up with that fucking pillock. This is the thing, isn't it? You know, 205 Live. Oh, my God, that's beautiful. And what is that called, Dan? That is called the Headstand Arabian Press Moonsault. Yeah, so there we go. Humberto gets a pin. TJP's gone. And uh, good rinse to bad rubbish, really. Because, like I said, TJP's not really offering anything. We'll see if Gulak and Gahara offer anything soon. But we have got a little bit of hope because we've got the eight-man tournament to decide who the number one contender will be at WrestleMania. But you could argue, as of late, Jack Gallagher hasn't really been offering much. Just to say, him, Drew Gulak, TJP, um, Tazawa now has he had too many chances, Alexander, you know, you look through the whole division and you think, what's really fresh there now? Carrillo's probably the latest guy that's come through. Let's hope with the tournament they can maybe bring a couple of more, you know, cruiserweight guys to it. Yeah, but you try and freshen it up and, you know, you get the likes of um, Hideo Itami coming through. And he gets completely wasted. Yeah. No, but this is the thing. But again, they've got to show a little bit of something. You know, you've got to take your, your chance whilst you've got it. And I think with the 205 Live division, you could definitely say they're kind of lacking in matches are great. You know, like when they really get going, we can see some really good stuff. But at the moment, they need to try something new with it as well. But we shall see. And look, it looks like uh, Gulak and Galaha lifting up Humberto on his shoulders. And they definitely want him to be part of the team. Yes, Gulak and Gallagher had come to ringside during the match and after they gave him a round of applause and tell him he's got so much potential, raising his hand and putting him on their show victory. Tony Nese gets a promo about how he proved that he's better than Oam Dar once and for all and he could be better than anyone in the division. Whatever mental block was holding him back, he smashed it down and he promises he's going to win the tournament and become Cruiserweight Champion at WrestleMania. Mike and Maria Canellis are backstage interviewed. While Mike is taping his fist, Maria puts her husband's accomplishments over and asks if he's been so successful by taking the easy way out before, saying he's going to beat Cedric Alexander tonight and prove he's the most dangerous man here. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't <laughs> say that with a straight face. Davari comes out and cuts a promo's opponent. I, I don't know who's more deadly in my eyes, Davari or Canellis at the moment. I mean, two just bad dudes, you know. Yes, well, Maria Davari over Johnny Leon's 
by submission with a Cobra clutch. Yeah, so he's bringing that back. Hey, general racism. It's always, casual racism is always good. Buddy Murphy cuts the promo for Lothrim, saying he's had to hand it to Drake, trying to give him the challenge he needs and recount all the men he's defeated during his reign thus far. And Cedric Alexander beat Mike Kanellis by pinfall with the lumbar check after Kanellis got a false free count off interference from Maria and a rolling cutter that referee John Cone walked back immediately. Well, Drake Maverick announces two first-round tournament matches. It's going to be Kalisto versus Tony Nice and Brian Kendrick versus Drew Gulak for next week's show. And we move on to episode 118, the 26th of February. And the show opens with the usual segment for Drake talking up tonight's happenings and like we said the cruiserweight title tournament has begun the buddy murphy classic Kalisto gets a promo about how he's going to win tonight's match and our first match is tony nice versus Kalisto. and these two men have brought it from the very start nice has got a point to prove he just got caught with ddt land got spiked down but managing to kick out uh-huh. Kalisto, former cruiserweight champion former united states champion as well has got a lot to prove Short Hurricanrana taking Tony down. And Nice, if he thinks he could just walk into this match because he feels he's been a roll by defeating Tony Nice. And of course, he is a premier athlete. You know, he looks like a heavyweight, fights like a cruiserweight. But Kalisto, I think one of the most underrated guys, maybe on the WWE roster at this point. Well, Kalisto, he is the most wrestler in 205 Live. Yeah. And I think he needs to be one of the focal points because he can do stuff in the ring. You know, we hark back to Mysterio, you know, look at what he can do. Kaliso could do stuff in the ring as well, which is really impressive. The fans are obviously, I say behind him, but, you know, he's going to get a, a bit of reception. And I think it's a bit of a shame. Tony Nese, I do see as a, as a big star. We talk about, you know, the future of 205 Live. I think Nice can definitely be involved as he just throws Kaliso on that top turnbuckle. So do you think, as far as Mustafa Ali is concerned, he's up and he's not coming down again? Yeah, I think Ali's now should be transferred. But should they make a deal about that? Should they have said, like, look, you get transferred. If you do that well on 205 Live, you can go to SmackDown or Raw. It, will it, or is it just Ali at this moment? Will anybody else? You know, Like Cedric Alexander would be perfect position to be moved up soon as well do you know what I mean like as a guy to be to be put in that position I well, think then I think go. he'd get tarred with the Apollo Crews brush well Kalisa looking maybe for the Salida del Sol on the top but Nice blocked it with a German suplex whilst being perched up on the top turnbuckle and manages to see himself up looking in position to go flying on Kalisto and now Nice up 450 oh Kalisto moved out of the way Nice Matt Tony Nice, he's appeared in the Royal Rumble. Well, Nice, you know, and this is the thing. I, I think definitely he's got a lot of upside for him. Even with a cruiser, I think he can build up a little bit more, you know, maybe challenge United States title away. But again, it's about personality. There's just not enough there at the moment. And even with Kalista, like we said, so decorated, what do we really know about him? As he comes off the top, hits his own 450, connects. And Nice showing a lot of intelligence there, getting that foot draped across the bottom rope. Stopping the pin. You know, do we need to... Should we introduce managers into 205 Live? Should that be the thing, you know? Maybe, you know, three or four lows going after a talent or maybe having, like, a stable of cruiserweights having a voice. Maybe that's the only way it could work, you know, and then build it up from there. Missed it with the running knees. Kalisto rolls through, catching him with a kick to the head, goes for a cover, but only gets a two count. Two. It looks like Kalisto's tried that finisher a couple of times and needs to be privy to it. Uh, Kaliso wanted to get back. Well, the problem with 205 Live, you get an hour a week. And, you know, with that, the crowd's not interested. Like I said, you've got your allotted time. You may be fitting two or three matches. 
But now Kalisto again looking for it. But shouldn't you like? Can you kind of argue that two hundred five live? It should be put on the back of NXT where they'd get appreciated a lot more by the fans because I see the fan sets that are sat here completely different to the fans that are at NXT. Well, I don't know. I mean, Kalisto caught knees with a soup kit and he just monkey flipped him across the ring, both men down at the moment. But I think the thing is, Raw's three hours. So you've got enough time to put a couple of cruiserweight matches on there and have 205 Live actually mean the same more. Have the, have the title. Don't have the purple ropes. Don't make it any different. Have it a part of the show. Give them time and let them show what they can actually do. And then I think the crowd in Raw would definitely get to get into them. And then the people showing up for 205 Live would be like, oh, I saw these guys, you know, perform and having a great match. So that's what they're going to do here as well. And he just goes under. Kalisto's got him pump handle slam. Oh, but Kalisto with a backslide rolls up Nice. Oh, but Nice managing to get up at two. Two. Kalisto with a hurricane runner goes for a cover, but only gets the two himself. Two. And now again another. Nice falls down on it. Kalisto managing to kick out. Ah. Nice still got hold of him. German suplex and Kalisto's right in the corner now. Running Nice. Into the cover, two, three. And Tony Nice is your first man through in the Buddy Murphy Classic, beating Kalisto here. So Nice has beaten a former Cruiserweight champion. Very impressive there. What do you think of the match, Dan? I thought the match was very good. You know, these two guys certainly are great workers. I don't know, you know, Kalisto, is he feeling he's being jobbed in the Cruiserweight championship match yeah is he being moved on now to be just part of Raw as like kind of Lucha House Party and being a tag team there or is there more future I think with Kalisto there's a lot more definitely upside to him so we'll see what happens we go backstage where Jack Gallagher is going over take with Humberto Carrillo and asking him about the risks he took doing flips instead of wrist locks and reassure him he'll get it and he's got a perfect opportunity to learn by watching Drew Gulak wrestle tonight. Well, Maria Mike Kinnears complained to Jake Maverick about his loss from last week, but Drake refuses to overturn it. He was impressed, though, so he promises Mike a match next week. Maria says he made the right decision, and they leave. And our next match is Drew Gulak versus the Brian Kendrick in the WWE Cruiserweight Championship number one contenders tournament first round match. And I think what we had in the first match with the kind of high-flying manoeuvres uh, it's just completely different style in this one. Gulak grounded Kendrick early going. And we know all about Drew and the kind of the submission and technical wise of him. But Kendrick himself might forget. We think of him as Spanky or the kind of higher flyer back in the day. But he's become a lot more technical. And of course, he's got the captain's hook as his finisher, which made him win the Cruiserweight Championship. We talk about another Cruiserweight Champion. Gulak, though, has kind of been the nearly man in 205 Live now, hasn't he? You know, these past couple of years. Think about how close he's come feuding with maybe Alexander and other people like that, thinking maybe he's going to get a chance. And it's never really worked out. Will this be Gulak's time? And Kendrick, the babyface assassin, in a bit of trouble at the moment. It does look like I've gone in a time machine back to back about 15 years. I can't believe how young Kendrick looks as he gets worked over by Gulak in a corner. Oh, shit. Now, Gulak tilt well, but Kendrick lands on his feet. Rolls him up inside cradle, but only gets a two count. Two. And these two men just seem to be attached to each other at the moment. Can't get any distance for strikes. It's all about the grappling. And just as I say that, Kendrick creates the space. Irish whip. Now, calf kick. I mean, Gulak is a real throwback of an old-style wrestler. You know, the kind of 60s, 70s style there. Again, you know, personality-wise, I think Gulak has a little bit. And they kind of made him a bit more serious after the PowerPoint presentation. So... 
I think there is a bit of potential, but I don't think we're ever to have him as a kind of submission killer in that type of way or the kind of goofy idiot that we've seen. But if he can play those different characters, then, you know, fair play to him. And Kendrick now has got the head of Gulak. Looking towards the corner, probably going for sliced bread. And the cravat's in, so it makes it harder for Gulak to fight it off, but he does push away Kendrick. Shoulder block down. Kendrick goes for a headlock, but... Oh, my God. German suplex. Hold on a leg by Gulak. Going for the cover, but Kendrick managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And Kendrick's been close to losing a few times, and Gulak's been on top. And this might be Kendrick's last chance to have a cruiserweight title opportunity. We talk about amount of release and people walking away. Kendrick's definitely getting on now as well. Gulak runs into a back elbow from Kendrick. Looks for a clubbing blow, but Kendrick gets his foot up. Folds him up with a belly-to-back release. But Gulak responds with a crushing lariat. No, both men down, but they're giving it their all in this one. Trading huge moves. And now Drew Gulak making his way back in. But Kendrick, jawbreaker. Oh, looking for sliced bread, gets pushed into the corner. Gulak trying to go for the Gulak, but Kendrick rolls through, goes for the cover, but only gets a two count. Two. And now rolls in Captain's Hook. And he's got him in the middle of the ring, and Gulak is in all sorts of trouble. And Gulak's slowly going, but he's reaching for that rope. Or just as Kendrick pulled him back round again. And can he find a way out of this, or is he going to go? He's on his knees trying to stop that. Oh, but Gulak, though, just clawing at the face of Kendrick, stopping him. Hits a powerbomb to... Oh, but Kendrick kicking out. Uh-huh. See, when he was a heel, he had a lot more conviction when doing the captain's hook, and like, you actually believed him more now. It's, I know Gulak is the submission specialist, but still, like the talk and that he was putting into it, it should have meant a bit more. But the thing I liked about with Nigel was just trying to explain the, the kind of how Gulak is blocking it, because like I said, usually he gets submission in the middle of the ring. That's job done then. How did Gulak get up from that? Just because he's mission specialist, you know, has he been looking at tapes maybe or trying to get out of the captain hook? He says he knows how to get out of it. Humberto Carrillo's watching on. And Kendrick's got back to his feet. Gets the boot up. Oh, follows up with a second and third kick. Looking for sliced bread. Referee nearly got in the way. Gulak throws him off though. And now Kendrick rolling up. Gulak. Now Gulak rolls through and now he's got Kendrick. Gulak locked in. Oh, my God, look at Kendrick bent back. And Kendrick just trying to get away, trying to roll through. Trying to escape, doing anything he can, but I just don't think there is an escape from the Gulak. Well, I don't know if he's going to tap, but his arm's going weak now. Referee's checking it. He's done, he's out. And Kendrick's out, advances. So you've had Tony Nese and Drew Gulak go through in the Buddy Murphy Classic. Dan, what do you think of that match? Again, it was a very good match, good you know, you can tell these guys have worked together a bit before. They've got very good chemistry. And, uh, you know, you would have expected Gulak to go through, you know, out of these two guys. Yeah, I think it's fair. You know, Kendrick, like I said, has had his, his opportunity. Gulak's been the near man, but he's looking to try and get to WrestleMania. But he got a question, what's next with Brian Kendrick as well? You know, where does he go from here? Will they actually turn it into a storyline? Or will they forget, you know, Gulak is very happy with himself right now. Unannounced for next week, they've got Humberto Carrillo versus Only Lorkin. That should be a very interesting match. What a fucking match, yeah. Is Only Lorkin actually 205, though? Well, he's, he's, well, he's coming out, and he is a cruiserweight, so he, he can uh, 
mix it with the best. And also, we've got Akira Tozawa going against Cedric Alexander. That should be a very good match itself as well. well so let's move on then. Episode 119, it's the 5th of March. And the show opens with Drake Maverick, usual hype reel for tonight's procedure. And like I said, you've got Lorcan and Carrillo, and you've got Tozawa versus Alexander. Well, a video package hypes up only Lorcan, followed by a handy cam promo from Carrillo. Talking about High Five Live to fight the very best, and he intends to make it to WrestleMania. There we go, Lorkin versus Carrillo, and two. This is a very interesting match. You talk about two guys from NXT, and now we see him here on Two Hundred Five Live. We've seen a bit of Carrillo fighting before. Of course, he's uh, come close, and and only Lorkin got to be one of our favourite guys, isn't he? This past year or so, he has. Yeah, him and Danny Birch definitely. You know, two parts of. Our favourite tag team. No doubt. And I, I tell you, for Lorcan, if you've never seen him before on 205 Live, you've got to watch out, watch out for his uppercuts. Upper what? Yeah, exactly. They are they are vicious, and you will definitely see that here tonight. Lorcan is like a, a Duracell bunny. You kind of wind him up, and then he'll just keep going. And with Carrillo, we've seen how quick and fast he is. And, and Gulak's already gone through, and I wonder if he's given him any advice to try and use against Lorcan here. I wouldn't try to maybe out-wrestle only wouldn't be an idea for me just try and use your speed probably be best I was just going to say that me and you we never agree on anything yeah no we don't oh right sorry no, <laughs> no I'm well, doing it all wrong tonight no, uh, no we don't no don't matter <laughs> but no we never agree on anything but if we both are fans of Lorcan and Birch it must mean good things for them yeah without a doubt and we hope as we go on the show we'll see him maybe challenging for uh, championship gold later on. We we just don't know. Uh, but we see what happens here. They're very interested in the Buddy Murphy Classic. We've seen two hills going through. So you would expect these two guys are faces, maybe, I would definitely say. Well, I think, you know, Carrillo's trying to get swayed by the likes of Gallagher and Gulak. And, you know, you definitely know that only Lorcan's a face. We'll see what happens here in Lorcan, and he called Danny Birch. Only Lorcan there grabbing a side headlock. And that's what Carrillo can do. Diving out of the way and showing that he can flip and roll. But only Lorcan has still got the upper hand in this match. He's got a headlock locked in. Just sidestepping Humberto Carrillo as he's coming in on the attack. And you can flip and you can fly about as much. But, you know, if you're not as tough as old boots like only Lorcan is, you've got no chance. Well, that's the thing. is, It might be pretty, but it's definitely not effective. And Lorcan just backing him up, looking for his chance. And a huge couple of chops from only Lorcan. Let's hope Danny Birch gets a match, match next week. Well, here comes Lorcan running in. Drop kick there to Carrillo. Now Lorcan's got Carrillo on the outside. Suplex. And right on those mats. And how thin are those mats? Those mats are way for thin. They're just mere millimetres thick over pure concrete. And we cut backstage and we see Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher both wearing Humberto Carrillo t-shirts or... Not his T-shirts, but just his face printed on a white T-shirt. The funny if that was actually his merch. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but are they are they cheering on Carrillo? He could face Drew Gulak. Maybe they're trying to soften him up. They say if he can, can get through, you know, it will give Gulak a chance to get through to the final. So so far, who we've seen already? Then who do you reckon is going to be the best challenge for your I, man, Baddy Man? I, I tell you who who I was impressed with, and I've, I've got to admit. Uh, Tony Nice looked really good against Kalisto and again there's still a chance to tell a little bit of story with that because we know Murphy and Nice are friends but again Tazara and, and Alexander in the main event tonight 
I mean, either those two guys have taken Murphy to the, to the edge recently in cruiserweight total defences. I would love to see someone like Oni Lorcan get given a chance. But again, I don't know if he's ready just yet. You know, I don't want him to split up Birch and Lorcan just, oh, no. just to, you know, go through. Maybe Carrillo as a kind of... Uh, well, I think, I think with Humberto, he is someone who could match up with the size of Buddy Murphy because, you know, a lot of his competitors have been significantly smaller, whereas Humberto Carrillo, he's going to be taller and he's just as well built as him. But I think the thing that 205 Live needs to do, and I think that we've said over time, is to have everyone a viable threat to the Cruiserweight Championship. If you're not there and you don't think you can go with the Cruiserweight Champion, or whoever it is, then what's the point of you being there? You know what I mean? Like, well, why, why should, in a division where it's only the one title, everybody should be there for that point. But before Buddy Murphy appeared, that's how it felt. You know, even I don't know. You could quite, you could argue that when Neville was champion as well, it was. Well, this is the thing with a, with a dominant, dominant champion as a portraying Murphy as at the moment. You've got to have viable challenges. Otherwise, it is just going to think, okay, well, Murphy's going to hold it on until you see something a little bit, you know, different or special. You know, you look at the, who is the number one guy, good guy on two hundred five live at the moment. You know, I couldn't tell you. exactly. So I think this is the problem there. So they need to definitely look at that, even if it is to get the title off Murphy and give it to maybe someone, you know, who could then could be a viable threat to Drew anybody. Gulak. You know, Drew Gulak maybe. You know, even someone like Davari, like because you would think with that champion, oh shit, you're going to beat. You know, in a one-on-one match, <laughs> you'd be able to get the job done against him. Don't get me wrong, I don't want Davari as cruiserweight champion, but if you're going to have a look at, you know, kind of what the division is. You have Davari as champion with Davari in his corner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it would work. And now Carrillo looking to run the ropes with Birch. Fuck Birch. With Lorkin. But I don't want a hill champion. I want a face champion for a little while. I know we had, like, Cedric Alexander, but he was kind of underwhelmed. It's his problem because he held it from WrestleMania to... I think... Super Showdown. Super Showdown, October. And like I said, as a face champion, it didn't really work. So now WWE kind of gone back to the kind of hill that they know best. And Carrillo's oh. just hit a suicide dive on the outside. Throws Lorcan back in. Backwards rolling moonsault. That was beautiful by Carrillo, but only gets a two. Two. And the action definitely heating up in here. Lorcan goes to the corner. Got marks on his chest, so from the strong chops from Lorcan. And Carrillo there just giving one of his own to Oni. It's tossed over the top, lands on the apron. Blocked by Lorcan, though. Uh-oh. And now here comes Oni. Get ahead of him. Steam. Baseball slides, but Carrillo rolls over the top, looking for a suicide dive over the top. Takes out Oni Lorkin. Very impressive from Humberto. He's made quite a good impression, though. You know, he's not been around for that long. He's made a very good impression on, you know, very good worker in the ring. And they've got an interesting story about the kind of Gulak thing as well. So they're giving him his, his chance to shine, and, he, and he's using it, you know, as he looks to springboard his way back in. But that's like, uppercut. Upper what? And it, Lorkin catches Carrillo. Oh, my God. Now he's looking maybe suplexing him, that half Nelson. No, Humberto manages to fight out of it, doing some strong back elbows. Oh, Carrillo trying to suplex Lorcan to the outside, but both men on the edge of the apron in a very precarious position. Oh, my God. Well, Lorcan kicks by Carrillo. Oh, my God. Now Lorcan has got Carrillo on the apron. Fisherman suplex. Oh, my God. 
God, the hardest part of the ring. Both men fall and are crumpled to the mat. Fans are slowly getting behind Only Larkin. He's just fun to watch, you know. Like I said, a pretty fun to watch. So yeah. just give him a little bit of time. You know, the crowd will warm to him. It's nice to see that little promo video before the, the match started as well, just to introduce you to Larkin, who, who was. Two completely different styles, but they work together so well. You know, you've got the classic old-school style wrestler, and you've got the kind of the new lucha-style wrestler. Without a doubt, and I think it works well. You know, this is what 205 Live can give you. And this ain't even the main event. Well, Lorcan waiting for Carrillo to get to his feet. Well, he's got the half Nelson, but Carrillo rolls through. Got the pin. Oh, only getting a two count. Two. Got the half Nelson knocked in again, but Carrillo's still fighting out of it. Well, Carrillo won't be caught in here, go. And now Lorcan's got Carrillo. Holding by the jaw and just slapping him a few times. Rapper kick from Humberto, though. Oh, my God. Now here comes Carrillo, but... Building a bit some momentum up. Oh. Up and over. Fumbles it a bit. Sit out powerbomb. Oh, oh, my God. That was a beautiful kick out there by Lorkin. Uh. Well, Carrillo, again, just think about the moves that he's got to do. You know, take a breath. Like, so, you know, it is, uh, it is live, so there's going to be a few mistakes, but it's just the excitement of trying to get the job done. And now he's put Lorkin in a position. He's going to be looking... The old boing flip moonsault. <laughs> well, they told him not to go up. Did uh, Gulak and Gallagher, but he is moonsault. Oh, but feet up from Oni. Oh, oh turns Humberto God. inside out. Half Nelson suplex. Goes One, for the cover. Two, two three. three. Yes. And Oni Lorcan <laughs> advances to the next round after a bloody good match. Yeah. Between him and Humberto. That was fun. That was fun. That was good. And someone given a chance maybe you wouldn't expect. You know, it's nice to only Lorcan through. So now you've got Nice, Gulak and Lorcan thrown into that, which uh, makes it fun. And, of course, Tazawa and Alexander will join. Uh, but I think a great match between the two. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Well, Mike and Maria Canellis are backstage complaining to Drake about not being in the tournament. Because they're shit. And getting more upset when he reveals he's fighting local talent. Maria says they are not a charity case. Well, his local opponent is Evolves Colby Carino. And Canellis beats him down before the bell, hits the leading referee, Danilo, Al- leaving the referee to make a call. And Colby Carino versus Mike Canellis goes to a no contest. Tony Nese gets the hand cam promo pledge and he's not the same man he used to be. Alexander gets the promo where he says we all know what's, we all know his story and what drives him and tells Tazawa to give him everything he has and they'll see who wants it more. And our main event is Cedric Alexander versus Akira Tozawa in the WWE number one contendership tournament. First round match, or as I love to call it, the Buddy Murphy Classic. After the last match of the first round, a nice handshake to get us off. And uh, the brackets have been revealed. And it's going to be Drew Gulak versus Tony Nice in second round action. Which means the winner of this will face Oni Lorkin. And what a match that will be, Tozawa or Alexander versus uh, Oni. And now Alexander and Tazawa are going to fill each other out. And the other guy's a lot of mutual respect here. And a bit of a standoff as the first initial conflict goes to a bit of a stalemate. Who are you going to back in this one then? Tazawa's been on a bit of a roll recently, but Cedric, one of the longest reigning cruiserweight champs of all time. I'm going to go for Cedric Alexander. You can't count him out. Well, he's been on a losing end, Tazawa, at recent times. 
And can he uh, stop that rot now and reclaim what he thinks is rightfully his, especially at WrestleMania? Tozawa's in control at the moment, though. Side headlock on Alexander. Both these men, former Cruiserweight champions. Cedric with a leapfrog. Now with a head scissors and Tozawa gets caught with it. Sprung over. Now a dropkick attempt by Cedric. Tozawa dodges and looks like Tozawa was one step ahead at the moment, just taking a breath. Cedric misses the back elbow. Irish whip. Roll, Roll up from Alexander, though. And he gets a two. Two. Arm drag takedown from Tozawa, though. Turns the momentum back in his favour. Another deep arm drag takedown. Tozawa's finding himself a bit of momentum here. And Cedric finds himself a little bit frustrated on the bottom at the moment, trying to work his way up. Irish whip, but Tozawa jumps over Alexander. Another deep arm drag takedown. Oh, Cedric worked the midsection there. Tozawa sends him to the outside and then going in after him. Well, Cedric's been working over Tozawa, working that midsection that he damaged early on, brought him back in. But now Tozawa trying to fight back in the corner. Takes Alexander down, goes for the senton, but oh, Cedric with the knees up. Knees up, Mother Brown. And that hurts Tozawa, who gets pushed out of the ring by Cedric. And he wants to show a bit more aggressive side, and we've seen that with Cedric before. Can he go a little bit darker? Well, I think he needs to get to that other side to kind of cross the bridge, especially since though he's come up short against Buddy Murphy. This is the thing. Was it going to beat the Cruiserweight champion? Have even these men who have come up short in the past got what it takes? Is he going to take someone new and fresh like maybe a Gulak or an Only Lorcan? That's what we're going to find out on the road to WrestleMania as Cedric sends Tazara into that apron. And Cedric throwing him back in, going for the cover, but Tazara up at two. Two. Well, just that NXT show, we saw Gallagher 7, Iconics, Aaliyah, Riot, Dunn, Andrews, Ono, Jose, Strong, Sanity, Authors of Pain, Moss, Sabatelli, Oscar Moon, McIntyre, Black, Rude and Cien. And again, the gut wrench by Cedric, just trying to take the air at Tazawa. Tazawa, he's certainly uh, kicking it up a gear now. Elbow in the side of Alexander's head multiple times. And now Cedric a bit unsteady on his feet. Tazawa catching with a chop. Ducking Cedric's clothesline attempt. Couple of hard chops. Oh, but Tozawa turns it round with a chop on his own on Cedric. Oh. He'll fake out with a huge right hand. Alexander's out on his feet. And now Irish whip reversed by Cedric. Tozawa goes between the legs. Hezes has takedown. Yeah, it didn't really work. The move before it didn't really work either. Cedric to the outside now and... Here comes Tozawa. That move definitely worked. Suicide dive, headbutt straight to the chest of Alexander. They're both men down the outside, but can Tozawa take advantage now? As he screams, what's the crowd behind him? Oh my God, Cedric now in the middle of the ring. Tozawa looking to go up. Drop kick. Hits the target. Sends Cedric spool across the ring. Goes uh, for the cover. Oh, only a two count though. Two. But Tazawa now looking to respond with the right hands. Gets clocked with a huge elbow to the jaw, though. Just drops Tazawa where he stood. I'll tell you what, Cedric's forearms and elbows are a great part of his inventory. And now Tazawa with a hurricane runner. Roll up. Two. Oh, only a two count, though. Two. Tazawa goes low, rolls up Alexander again, but only another two count. Two. But a big boot to Cedric. But he's not downed. Oh, Cedric's fired himself back up, though. That prompts another big boot from Tozawa. 
And again, Cedric firing himself up. Third time's not the charm for Tazaro. He gets caught with a spinning back elbow. Knocks his mouth guard out. <laughs> it's out. Oh, my God. Went for the lumbar, lumbar check. Tazaro with a DDT. Looking to go up top for the senton. Oh, Tazaro is trying to get his sense about him. Off the second. No, reverse Hurricane Rana. That was beautiful. Go for the cover. Two. Oh. Well, I don't know how he did it, but somehow Cedric managed to kick out. Uh-huh. A beautiful reverse Hurricane Rana there. Hit picture perfect. Now the crowd definitely getting into this one. Both men are down. And this is only the first round. Just imagine what it's going to be like in the final. Cedric looks for a kick, gets caught by Tazawa. Oh, oh, now he's got the octopus hold in. Can he get it locked in fully, though? He's dropped Alexander to the mat, who's fighting with every breath. Well, I thought he's going to tap there. The, the hand is going. He's stopping himself. Rolls up with a cover, Ooh. but Tazawa managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And now he's got the arm extended. Is he struggling because he's so close to his penis and anus? And the left arm now is not going down. Cedric's trying to fight. Tazawa's got him caught round, but Cedric powering him up. A backslide from Tazawa. Just that deadlift German plant Cedric. And Cedric explodes into the canvas. Tazawa now thinks sees the opportunity. Rolling Cedric, who may be dead weight. He's looking to go up and book his place in the next round of the Buddy Murphy Classic. And now both men fighting on the second rope. And Tazawa with a forearm shot. Drops Alexander. Can he hit his senton now? Oh, he's looking to go for it all. No, Alexander up again. Catches Tazawa. Got him up. Lumbar check. Takes him down. One, two, three. And Cedric Alexander books his place in the next round by beating Akira Tazawa. In a very, very hard-fought match. I think it should have gone Tazawa's way, personally. Well, I don't know. You backed Cedric at the start. So did Tazawa win you over during that match, then? He did, yes. And you see with Cedric getting a shot like he needed, I feel. Like, if he'd have lost this, then what was next? He advances. We know he's going to face only Lorcan in the next round, which should be a quality encounter as well. And, of course, we know we've got Nice versus Gulak. So it'll be interesting to see who will fight Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight Championship at WrestleMania. But I think a lot of respect from both men showing exactly what they can do in the ring. Tazawa has been solid these past few months, and I think it showed here And with Cedric. When he wants to, he can be, you know, perform with the best of them. And I think that's what Alexander's definitely got on his side. Will we see the age of Alexander again? And we see the final bracket. We see Tony Nice defeated Kalisto to advance. Drew Gulak defeated the Brian Kendrick to advance. And them two guys are face off against each other. That would be a very interesting match. Used to be very good friends. Have now kind of drifted apart to their own little formations. And on the other side of things, James? You've got Ailey Lorcan, who defeated Humberto Carrillo, fighting against Cedric Gazzano, who just won the main event just now against Tazawa in uh, semi-final action, I suppose. And you think about it, weirdly enough, you've got two heels and two faces in either side as well. And, I mean, who knows what can happen? You could back these four men. You could say any of these four would actually win. Right now, who do you think the favourite is? I would have to go towards Cedric Alexander. Yeah, and I, I, I hate to agree with you. But I to Cedric, I think he's the, the favourite at the moment. But who knows? Is two hundred five live? Continue. What? You've agreed with me. Tw- we've agreed twice in the same. Jesus Christ! 
Oh. It's episode 120, the 12th of March. Drew Gulak opens the show with a promo saying Tony Nese thinks things are going to be different this year, but one thing remains the same. He's wrestling Drew, and if you haven't kept track, he owns Tony. Well, Nice has a counter-promo and said he's not going to take speed or strength. He's going to have to not make any mistakes, because one mistake and Drew will dissect him. Only Lorkin also gets a promo where he says he has no ill will to Humberto Carrillo, but Drake Maverick knew what it was getting when he brought him in. Now he's got Cedric Alexander and he's going to snuff out the soul of 205 Live. Well, Cedric Alexander finishes up our set saying Oni's a bad, bad man, but he's coming back to take what's his. Buddy Murphy gets a handjob promo where he congratulates the semi-finalists and puts them all over before saying it ultimately doesn't matter because he's winning at WrestleMania. So here we go. Cedric Alexander versus Only Lorkin in the Buddy Murphy Classic. We're going to see who goes through to the final. And this is a really interesting matchup where you consider how great a wrestler Only Lorkin is, Cedric Alexander. I don't think I would have seen these two men be wrestling anytime soon. I wouldn't have called this matchup now. <laughs> but I'm, I want Only Lorkin to win. I definitely want Only to win. But I think Cedric might have the advantage in this one just because maybe a little bit more experience. Bit of a feeling out process. But is um, Cedric Alexander trying to put over Only as a bad guy? Kind of in his handicam, you know, he's a bad, bad man. Yeah, I think he's a tough son of a gun, you know. I think Cedric is going to know all about that in this one. But Cedric trying to get away from Oni. Bit of an early feeding out process, and does uh, Cedric quite know what he's gotten himself into? Bit of the unknown, isn't it? You know, like I said, Oni Lorkin progressing here. He's a guy that's not been seen on 205 Live. And maybe he's a better tag team wrestler than he is in singles. It's going to be weird. He's not going to have Danny Birch backing him up. He doesn't need Danny Birch backing him up, though. <laughs> Side headlock, shoulders down, but only getting a one count. One. Danny Birch just working over Cedric Alexander at the moment in this early feeling out process. So do you enjoy these crossover episodes? That's what it kind of feels there. Uh, Characters from one brand or one show coming into another. Uh, well, especially when it's someone that I I like so much. I want to say we like so much is only Lorkin. It's a it's a pleasant surprise sometimes, you know. It's like a flashing arrow, as it was. And uh, we'll see how far he can go. I don't know if, if Oni's going to be there full term. That's why I'd be wary in this match. But it gives him a good showing. And then people go, oh, where does he belong to? Oh, it's this one. And maybe let's have a look at that if they're not. No. He just hasn't appeared on the main roster yet. Mm. He's been in NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live. Just not on Raw or SmackDown yet. Do you but think more it, people watch uh, NXT than 205 Live? Only looking duck in his head. Alexander flipping over him, but getting caught with an uppercut. Upper what? Well, those uppercuts are one of the most dangerous uh, weapons in his... In repertoire. Repertoire. As Cedric goes to the cover, but only managing to kick out. Ah. Uh. Alexander sitting up Lorcan and just kicking the back of his head, floating over for a cover. Two. No, only a two count. Two. Cedric does a lot of things well. If you if you just look at the basics, even that float over is just quite well executed. As he's looking for maybe lumbar. Pony Lorcan having it scouted, holding on. Gets picked up by Alexander, but a couple of elbows to the back of the head drops him. Alexander runs into an uppercut and a clothesline takedown from Lorkin. 
Now he goes for the cover, but Alexander again gets his shoulder off at two. Two. And now right back to that gut wrench. You're going to try and take the breath out of Alexander's body. There's no doubt only Lorcan has done scouting on Cedric and knows how dangerous he is. Huge forearm to the jaw, but only Lorcan responds with a kick to the midsection. Irish whip follows up with a knee to the gut. Sends Alexander flying. Rolls on top for a cover. But Alexander managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Come on, Oni. Yeah, it looks like Oni's been in control of this now. He's definitely got a game plan working towards that. Huge chop. You can see the look in Cedric's face. Oh. But now look. Alexander rolls into the abdominal stretch made famous by... Wilbur Schneider. And when? Oh, back in the 1930s. Against whom? By Walt Pewterschmidt. Yes. Oh, but now it looks like Alexander's trying to get out of it and only holds on again. But now Alexander rolling through... Taken only out with a clothesline. Now back elbow. Catches the kick. Responds with a huge back elbow of his own. And now Cedric's going to go for the springboard. Handspring to the kick. Taking Lorcan's neck. What? Face off. And Alexander's certainly feeling this one. Charges into the corner. Step up in Zaguri to the back of the head. Brings his way back into the ring. Plants only looking face first into the mat. One, two, oh. Well, no, somehow only managing to kick out. Uh, they've got a diverse soundboard on 205 Live. They've <laughs> <laughs> got an English guy. They've got Aiden English. And they've got a Yank. And now Alexander's going to try and suplex only looking. Lorcan managing to fight Alexander off, though, pushing him off the corner. Oh, no, dives over the top of Alexander. Oh, he connected with a flat-over blockbuster. Goes into the cover. Oh, only a two count for Oni. Two. He's getting frustrated as he looks on that WrestleMania sign. He knows there's a chance for him to be there. No one thought that would happen. And now it looks like only Lorcan's going to try and finish Cedric. With a half and half suplex. And I got him through the last round, but Cedric knows this. Alexander blocking it, managing to fight out with the back elbows. Standing switch, trying to power him up for the lumbar check, but no, them bad ribs and bad back come into play. Huge chop by Oni, cripples Alexander, drops him to his knees. Look like Oni maybe going to go for the slap there, but Cedric stopped it with a kick. Huge combination, knee and a forearm. A duck under, half and half suplex, goes for the cover. One, two, four. Oh my God, well Cedric Alexander's WrestleMania dream still alive. Could he imagine a kick out? Uh. And only Lorcan's one might be fading fast. He can't believe it. What's he going to take to put the former Cruiserweight champ down? So looking at the sign, look at your opponent, Oni. Yeah, you got to focus here. Cedric's a tough dude. Huge uppercut. Upper what? And I think Alexander might be out on his feet. He gets stood up for a second uppercut. And Cedric's using them upright. Oh, low bridges. Oni, Lorcan, who eliminates him from the rumble. Cedric's springing over the top rope. Oh, plants only Lorcan with an Iranagi on the edge of the ring apron, throws him back into the ring. Uh-oh, Lorcan's in trouble. 
the Mishinoku driver to four. Only Lorkey gets his shoulder up at two. Two. And Alex Allen's got a look of pure shock on his face. But that's how quick Cedric can be. And that's not 100% either. Alexander just clocking, stomping on his shoulder, kicking him in the back. He was saying to him, do you want this? You want some? I'll give it yeah. I know, he's beating him up. Now look at the crowd. Maybe this is the aggressive side of Alexander that needs to be put out there to actually go and be taken as a serious threat against Buddy Murphy. And he's going in his sights, looking oh. to springboard in, but gets caught with an uppercut as he comes sailing over the top rope. He's only looking for the half and half off the top turnbuckle. No, he can't be doing that, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but only needs to do something serious to put away the soul of 205 Live. Well, he gave him his best shot earlier, and Alexander is still fighting. And like you say, with everything on the line here, and the crowd finally getting into things. Oh, my God. Oh, he's got Cedric. Half and half from the top. One, two. <laughs> Jesus Christ, how did he manage to kick out? Uh, Cedric's still in this one. <coughs> Only Lorcan can't believe it. Cedric looked like he'd been thrown out of a moving order vehicle. They kind of corkscrewed in the air <laughs> as well. Well, I think Only Lorcan can't beat Cedric Alexander. I think I'm going to say this now, Only. You've done well, son, but I think it's just... Uh, I kind of think that... I know they're trying to build up Alexander, but they've just made only Lorkin's finisher look really fucking yeah, weak needs, as shit. Yeah, he needs to come out of something new now. What's it going to take to put him away? Only well, Lorkin would certainly love his WrestleMania moment. Well, and I love this move from only if he does it. It's a slap to the face. Got him up by his ear. Oh! But Alexander, ever defiant, saying, look, come on then. He gets grabbed by the jaw oh and only Lorkin just slapping away. <laughs> it's like Chris Brown was doing to Rihanna. <laughs> oh, well, Cedric is out. And now only Lorkin. We can put him away. Oh, snaps straight into the lumbar check. Drags him to the middle of the ring. One, One two, two, three. Oh, Cedric Alexander knocks out only Lorkin. Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Disappointed. <laughs> I wanted only to win. No, um, I think that, you know, obviously what they're trying to do is build up Cedric Alexander as a legitimate badass, someone who can kick out Ooh. of not only someone's finisher, but someone's finisher from the top rope. And, uh, you know, to do what it takes to beat that fucking god-awful current Cruiserweight champion. Well, I think the thing is with this is that it's uh, obviously going that way. Like I said, it takes away from only Lorkin, doesn't it? Because that finisher that he, you know, got the job done there, couldn't get it done even off the top rope, you know. So that's a bit of a, I think, a poor thing from them. Uh, and only Lorkin, I think, what, do you know what I mean? Cedric's going to get loads of chances. So it's, it's He's had loads of chances. Yeah, this is the thing as well, isn't it? You know, we want something a little bit different. Uh, but it was, again, great match, though, between the team, even though the crowd went in. Bloody right? good match, yeah. I was certainly into it. It's two guys that I respect a lot. <clears throat> um, yeah, hopefully, you know, I'd like to see more of Only Lorcan in 205 Live. Yeah, without doubt. Uh, well, Mike and Maria Canellis are backstage. Complains to Drake Maverick about his lack of respect last week, throwing Colby Carino out against him. He said he's not just happy to be here and deserves better. 
To which Drake says, next week you'll face one of the top cruiserweights in the world as befits his stature. But if he keeps losing and his wife, he and his wife will both be gone. Yes! 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 <laughs> Let's hope he's fucking gone. Well, Aria Davari gets a promo where he says some big words and says you're going to see what year of pent-up frustration looks like soon. And then we get Tony Neath versus Drew Gulak for the chance to fight Cedric Alexander in the final of the Buddy Murphy Classic. And in the early going, we can see Gulak's got the scientific uh, wrestling engaged here, trying to wear down Tony Neath and just trying to put him on the back foot. Neath has come back a few times, but Gulak has always seemed to have an answer. Even now, he's got him in that side headlock. Neath doesn't look like he's got nowhere to go at the moment. Back suplex to try and break the grip from Gulak. You know, he's finally got a little bit of separation and Gulak can just engulf you sometimes, but I am a fan of the Premier Athlete and this is a huge opportunity for either man. Gulak just stomping on the side of the head of Nice. I know, he's just got the beard of Nice. He said earlier he's got his number, now he's got the beard and nose. And I think Nice, I don't know if he's turning face or not, but this is definitely a kind of different attitude we've seen from Tony Nice recently. It is indeed, yeah. I think this is his switch. These two guys used to be very tight. Mm. Now Neath just trying to push Gulak away. Now a huge shot by Gulak, and now he's just got Neath backed up in a corner. Using all that five count. And this is definitely a more heelish Gulak. Irish Rip Reverso sends Drew back into the corner with a lot of force. But you can see the kind of punishment Neath has been through. Can't even capitalise on that. Even have to use the ropes to get up. Gulak's recovered a bit quicker, but Tony Neese striking first. And these are two guys that have been around a long time on 205 Live. Spinning heel kick to the midsection, setting him up for another Irish rip. That gets reversed by Gulak. But he just charges into a brick wall of Drew. And knee to the midsection, a snap suplex, bridging and floating over. Two, no. Nice managing to kick out. Oh. Again, nice by Gulak. Showing his uh, technical error. Nice showing the heart to be able to get up from it. But at the moment, it's Gulak. He's been dominating. Now he's in the arm of Nice. Try and put him to sleep. Tying Tony Nice up with his own arms. Well, I'm sure Gulak's a mission wrestler, but some of these moves kind of remind me of um, Jack Gallagher a little bit. And you wonder if he's taught him a couple of ways to... You know, not joint manipulation, but ways to uh, get around your opponent. Well, you know, it can help, you know, influence rubs off on other people. There's Nice managing to get away from Gulak just for a second. Oh, that's a very uh, innovative neck breaker. A boot to the face, spinning heel kick to the jaw. <laughs> and Gulak doesn't know where he is, backed up into the corner now. Running back elbow. Follows up with a huge lariat. Goes for the cover. Two. No, Gulak managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. Oh, Gulak just taking his time. Trying to catch his breath at the moment. He knows Nice is on top, but he thinks he can work out a way of getting away from Nice. Just at an eye rate, but that doesn't stop Nice. And then Northern Knight suplex goes for the cover, but Gulak out at two. Two. And now Nice just stomping on Gulak and Gulak grabbing the wrist. And Gulak maybe begging off, but just buying a little bit of time. Comes back with a few strikes as his own. 
But Nice responding in kind. <laughs> wow, Nice with some uh, Matrix-style acrobats. Duck in the chop from Gulak. Jumping over the top rope, hanging up Gulak on over the rope. And now Gulak's in trouble, and Nice kind of jumps all the way up the apron, springboards his way in. Lands on his feet because Gulak rolls out of the way. Charges towards, get lifted over the ring ropes. Lands <laughs> on the apron to the outside. Catches Gulak, drops him to the mat. Gulak may be out. Springboard, split leg moonsault. Oh, only gets a two count though. Two. Now, Back in the middle of the ring, he's going to run the ropes. Oh. No, he gets caught with a drop kick from Gulak. Sent to the outside. Drew trying to fire himself up. And now Nice is draped on the apron. Gulak down across the neck. And now back in. And Gulak's got Nice. He's looking for that Gulak. And can he get it in? No, Nice reversing. But Gulak now. Powerbomb. Going for the cover, but picks Nice up. Again. Powers him up. Second powerbomb. Goes for the cover this time. But Nice managing to kick out. Oh. And that was all the punishment that Nice. As Turk and Gulak managing to power him up. Both these men have a chance to go to WrestleMania to face your cruiserweight champion, Buddy Murphy. And now he's putting Gulak up on top. Right in front of that WrestleMania sign, which is where they're both one ahead. Oh my God, he falls down, but managed to nip back up. Catches Gulak with a slap. Oh, second rope, Hurricane Rana. And he's going up top. So no fly zone. Oh. Looking for the 450, but Gulak moving out of the way. This could be the opening that Drew Gulak needs to get himself back into this match. And now Gulak looking to end things with a Gulak, but Nice Rolling through the legs. I went for the pump handle, but Gulak reversed. Standing switch. Oh, gets caught though with a sunset flip, but no. Nice managing to kick out. Oh. Goes for the slam now into the gulak. Very good transition. Nice and through. And he knows he's got roll on his front. Alligator roll and Nice is in the ropes. And now Gulak just grabbing the beard of Nice as he picks him up. But a huge shot, a huge shot to the face and then German suplex. Setting him up, playing nice. Right to that bottom corner. Exposing the left knee. Oh, Gulak moves out the way. Catches him with a JBL like fucking lariat. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh. oh. But Nice somehow managing to kick out. Get into the Gulak. Can he get the grapevine in? He's got one leg. And he's fighting everything he's got. But he might be fighting a losing battle at the moment. Alligator roll back to the middle of the ring. Oh, my God. Cinched in deep. He's got him. And Nice might be caught here. Can Nice get to the bottom rope? He can. and rolls himself over. One, two, two three. three. Nice. Tony Nice gets the surprise victory. Well, Gulak had the Gulak in and Nice managed to roll through and books his place against Cedric Alexander in the Buddy Murphy Classic Final. That should be a very good match. Uh, that should be a great match. And Cedric looking on there, impressed. 
And not a bad match between Nice and Gulak. Oh, I thought it was a very good match, yeah. We saw the technical side from Gulak and Nice showing that heart to sort of fight, you know, that face being the underdog role and maybe a little bit of a fluke victory. But... A bit of intelligence, yeah. you know. He's watched a few Drew Gulak matches. He's kind of counted his Gulak a few times and this time it came unstuck for Drew. Yeah, but very good stuff there as we move towards our next episode, which is episode 121, March 19th. Well, the show opens with Drake Maverick's usual hype reel for the show. And then Mike and Maria Kanellis make their entrance. Maria cuts a promo, putting her husband over and talk about how he's going to prove everybody wrong. I ain't reading that bit. And then Mike Kanellis over at Akira Tazara by Pinfall with the rolling cutter. Now, the, the match wasn't great and Maria's interference cost Tazara in that one. Who cares? <laughs> Who really gives a flying... <laughs> Fucking fuck. That is Mike Kinez's first victory on 205 Live. Who cares? Cedric Alexander is interviewed backstage talking about how confident he is in his victory tonight when Buddy Murphy and Tony Nice roll up. Nice says they've wrestled a bunch and each have won a few and lost a few. So what makes him think he's good enough tonight? Well, Alexander fires back about Tony's being Buddy's sidekick and tries to sow a little discord before Murphy reminds him of all the times he beat him for the title. Cedric points out, it sounds like Buddy doesn't think Nice can win and leaves him to think about that. Well, Tony acts like it's all good and leaves Murphy to contemplate where they're at. Well, the commentary announced a trio's match between Lucha House Party and the team of Drew Gulak, Humberto Carrillo and Jack Haraha for next week. But now it is time for the main event, a match-up to see who can challenge James's man, Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight Championship. It is Tony Nice versus Cedric Alexander. So who are you backing in this one? Um, I'm going to go for Cedric Alexander. I mean, you know, he's uh, he was on a he lost his title. He had a bit of a bad run. He's kind of resurged himself, beat himself after you know taking a few devastating moves from Only Larkin last week, and uh, this could be the resurgence that he needs. I'd I'll be happy with either of them. Without a doubt, I think it'll be an interesting dynamic if Alexander can, have, like you said, have that path path to redemption or, of course, Tony Nese and that Buddy Murphy, the friendship being asked questions between these two guys. Cedric Alexander versus Tony Nese. Tony Nese versus Cedric Alexander for the chance to face... Face? Face. The chance to face your Cruiserweight champion, Buddy Murphy, at WrestleMania 35 on the kickoff. And a collar and elbow tight for both men. And I've really enjoyed the uh, the Buddy Murphy classic. I think it's been really enjoyable. We've seen a couple of standout performances. People for Ainu Lorkin. I think it's been great in this tournament so far. And I think Nice is impressed as well. Most definitely, yeah. Um, I don't know who I'd like to see win. Because either man, I think it would be... Worthy of both of them going on to challenge Buddy Murphy. You know, you got... Tony Nice, what's going to happen with their kind of friendship slash rivalry? Will it kind of go up in a mm. ball of flames or will it be the ultimate comeback story for Cedric Alexander? I feel that Tony Nice deserves it more. Yeah, I think so. I think you talk about chances. I think Nice really hasn't had a lot of chances to uh, have Cruiserweight title match. And I feel with Buddy Murphy, that could be a great chemistry there Like with these two men. There's one thing for sure you know, it's going to be a good match. And now Nice just working the arm of Alexander. 
But we saw the toughness of Alexander in the last match that he competed in. You would say only Lorcan had the better of him for 75% of that match. Well, he took everything that only Lorcan had to offer and still came out on top. So who would you like to win this match then, James? Who is your preferred opponent, Beefy? Your man, Muddy Burphy. I've got to say, I think, Tony Nice, just because I think it would be a really interesting matchup. And I'm not sure I've ever seen that happening one-on-one, whereas with Cedric and Murphy, yeah, it would be a great match, but we, we have seen that, you know. But then again, like I said, I'll be happy with, with either guy, because it does tell a good story. And I think 205 Live has done well, you know. Buddy Murphy's taken a back seat and let the, the, the ch- challenge come forward. And we, what we want on Tour of Five Live is everybody to be able to beat everybody else in a way. So I think it makes sense doing it this way. Both of these guys have fought hard to get here. Well, Alexander beat Tazawa and only Lorkin to get here to fight Tony Nice. To the jaw, Nice looking for a moonsault. Jumping over Alexander. And Alexander catching Nice with his. Rolling the back. Oh, looking for that. Hesis's takedown, but no. Tony Nice countering it and catching him with a spinning heel kick to the jaw. Goes for a cover, but only gets a one count. One. Now Nice just going back to the arm. I think he feels comfortable there working on Cedric in that way. Back suplex, but Cedric lands on his feet, rolls through, and then go Hurricane Runner. Nice takes Nice down and then a drop kick to the face. Second one dropping into the mat goes for a cover. Forearm to the face, but only a one count for Cedric. One. Yes, we had uh, Tony Nisi defeated Kalisto in his first matchup. His second one was a very good match against Drew Gulak. So both of these men beating some stiff competition to get here. But Alexander now has got control with a side headlock. You would maybe think Nisi's got the power, advantage, speed might be with Cedric. But again, both of these men... Considering they're, you know, so close to each other in skill, it would be difficult to tell. Now Cedric going to use the rope, so Nice again. Oh, very innovative takedown there. It slides through the bottom rope to take his legs out. Springboards in, looking for that moonsault, but no, Alexander moving out of the way. It was unsuccessful on Gulak, <laughs> unsuccessful on Alexander. And now Alexander gains some momentum. Knee to the midsection against the ropes. Rolls in through and just a double drop kick to the back of the head. For a cover. Oh, only a two count this time. Two. And he's feeling the pain on his face. Fans firmly behind Cedric Alexander. Maybe they start recognising him a little bit more as Nice trying to fight away. I don't think they care who's champion as long as it's not Buddy Murphy. <laughs> well, there he goes. <laughs> Nice move by Nice, and then catches Cedric with a... And a spinning heel kick to drop him to the mat. Oh, Tony coming, charging in. Cedric going down low, taking the knees of Nice. <laughs> setting him up in the corner. He's got him in his target. Now looking to kick that second turnbuckle into the jaw of Nice, but getting his leg caught and the sweat from underneath him. Now it's Tony's turn. Comes running with a boot to the side of the head as Alexander was hanging up against the red edge of the ring apron. Well, that could have caused three or four injuries for Cedric there, especially with that awkward landing. Was Nice looking for a count-out victory? I suppose any ne- means necessary. Or is he getting Cedric in his sights? Going to roll in. Well, I don't know if that was a mistake or not. Should Nice just could have continued the attack and thrown Cedric back in? Does that give Alexander a bit of time? I would be on Alexander... On all times, you know what I mean? I wouldn't... 
Like a tramp on chips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would just be stopping Cedric. I'd be covering him like a cheap suit. And that Irish whip there to Cedric. And Nice just rolls through there. Alexander goes for the cover, but Cedric up at two. Two. And the niece we saw last week, I preferred to the niece this week as the one wasting his time a little bit. It feels more like the only Lorkin match at the moment. Yeah. But you can feel that Tony Nice is going to give all he's got to Cedric Alexander, who's still going to come through and get the victory. The thing, you know, Nice can hit the running knees and Cedric could, you know, get out of it. But I think once we see the lumbar check, it will be one and done. Catching the foot of Nice, but Tony turning it into a lovely fisherman suplex. You think back a year ago as well, Cedric and Mustafa Ali getting to, through the tournament, facing each other at WrestleMania, become the new cruiserweight champion. Cedric's been there and done that, so that won't phase him. But with Nice, like I said, maybe he's letting him give him his best shot, wearing himself out a little bit. There's no doubt Nice is in great shape. The loser of that match last year, I think he's in a, this year, you know, he, he possible potential of a match on the main card. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think... That, it shows the potential, hopefully, the growth of 205 Live if they can allow Nice or Alexander to kind of grow after this as well. You know, like I said, Cedric has basically done it all now. And I think win or losing, he might be looking for something else down the road, you know, with Cedric. Whereas Nice, I think there's still a lot more to do on 205 Live. Win the title, for starters. <laughs> but that's a good thing. Cedric is getting the crowd behind him, which you normally you hear... A little bit of silence or whatever it Don't is. Don't hear anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The crowd seems to be into him. You just think a little bit more investment, you know, a little bit more time on TV, whatever it is with Cedric. A bit like Ali, you know. Yeah, I mean, if Ali was to come down and have a match, all the crowd would be on him. Mm. Nice by Cedric there. Drop kick to Nice, but can't take advantage of it. Both men look very spent in this match, though. Neither one of them able to capitalise. His drop kicks do look brutal, Alexander's. I like his back elbows as well as he's struggling to get to his feet, though. He's looking for a kick, getting caught, and that's the back elbow that James likes. Tony Nice is out on his feet. Handspring in Seguri. And it sends Nice flying across the ring. And Cedric builds some momentum. Getting deposited on the outside of the ring apron. Lands on his feet, though. Big boot, springboard, flatliner. One, two. No, Nice managing to kick out. Now Cedric showing a little bit of frustration. And now Nice working on the back. Cedric maybe trying to go for that pump handle. Cedric trying to fight it off. Managing to get it up, but no. Alexander with the backslide. Spin and heel kick to the midsection. Oh, catching him in the pump handle again, though. Plants him. One, two. No. Cedric managing to kick out. Ah. And that was really nice by Nice, who's now shouting, showing his frustration in this match. Can't put Cedric away. And he needs to keep on him, though. I know he's spent, but he needs to put every ounce of effort he's got and energy into putting away Cedric Alexander. It's an easy... F- oh, especially with the such big prize going to WrestleMania. Now Cedric going to go to the apron. Now Nice got hold of Alexander on the apron, but maybe Cedric was trying to draw him in. Cedric goes to the midsection, gets deposited over the edge of the ring apron... Catches Alexander with a kick to the back of the head. <laughs> Cedric's on second row. Here comes Nice. Oh, <laughs> springboard moonsault on Alexander, who was draping over the second row. Goes for the cover, but only gets a two count. Two. Well, that was not. That was an awesome move there. 
And now Sedgwick's gone back into the bottom turnbuckle. In a prime position for the running knees. And here comes Tony. No, Sedgwick dodges it, rolls him up. Two, no, only a two count. Two. Mishinoku driver. Two, no, again, only a two count. Two. Nice out again. And now Alexander trying to get the energy to put Nice away. Alexander looks at the sign and now looks to be uh, taking off his elbow pad. Got Tony Nice in his sights. Tony rolls through though. Catches Alexander with a huge elbow as he was trying to springboard in. Got Cedric in a very prone position perched on that top turnbuckle. Well, Nice has got Alexander. I don't know what he's trying to do, but both men fight in a precarious position on top. Exchanging huge forearms. Both men fall off. Crash into the mat. Well, Nice land on the outside, I think front down, but Alexander might have really hurt himself. He can see him holding the hand and the wrist. Well, now referee's counting. Don't tell me, as he's up to eight, that we're going to get a count out. Nine. No. Oh, both men in before the count of ten. And now these two warriors just staring at each other. Exchanging huge shots. And the A&A punches, you've got to think the fans back Cedric. But the Premier Athlete must have his fans in the crowd. And he backs himself as well as he gets caught with the forearms. Oh, my God. Cedric comes charging into a forearm. Oh! But delivers a huge uppercut to the charging niece. And Nice may be out. Here comes Cedric again. No, Nice with his Matrix-style ducking. Both catching ma- the foot of Alexander. <laughs> oh, now their legs are locked up. <laughs> Spinning heel kick to the midsection. Knee to the jaw from Nice. Looking for the sweep. Gets jumped by Alexander. Who catches him with a super kick into the cover. But Tony managing to kick out. Ah, what an exchange that was by both men. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. That was absolutely brilliant. Well, both men definitely on point here tonight. Well, if you think this match and this match with Buddy Murphy, Dan. And now Cedric taking Nice up to the top turnbuckle. But Nice fights off and a huge kick to Cedric's face. Knocks him to the outside. Now Tony Nice looking to take advantage. Sailing over the top rope. Takes down Cedric. And now can Nice take advantage? Throws Cedric back in. And he's up going to go for 450. Hits it. One. Two. Oh, now Alexander managing to kick out. Oh. And Nice cannot believe they didn't put Cedric away there. Absolutely beautiful there by Tony Nice to the outside. And then pitch perfect 450. I've got a feeling that Tony Nice is one running Nice away from victory now as he sets Alexander up in the corner. Oh, and Cedric's got hold of the trunks, not letting Nice get Ever away. Ever defiant. Gets kicked into the corner, kicks to the face there. Put Alexander in his place. Tony exposing the left knee. And here he comes, but Cedric's up. Oh, Spanish fly to the charging knee. Goes for the cover, but only a two count. Two. And now Cedric's going to look to put these away. Lumbar check. Bang, hits its mark. Goes for the cover. One, two. Oh! <laughs> No, unsuccessful. Nice managing to kick out. Uh, Tony Nice lives on in this match. Alexander's giving his best shot. And the fans are standing up. (laughs) 
This is awesome, Chan, and it is absolutely a fucking cracking match. And what is it going to take? Cedric can't believe it. This is what it means to face your cruiserweight champion, Buddy Murphy, at WrestleMania. Well, both men are just desperate to defy. Well, I mean, both men are bringing it here tonight. And I can't wait to WrestleMania, but this match is not even over yet. And Alexander exposing his knee. And Tony Nese's backside. Well, pull him up by his trunks. And now he's going to look to finish off Nice with WrestleMania sign in the background. Looking for another lumbar check. But Nice rolling through with a cover. One, two. Oh. No, Alexander reverses it. Two. No, again, Alexander out. Oh. A huge knee to the jaw. And now here comes Nice. Oh, right in the kisser. Goes for the cover. One, two, three. Oh. And Tony Nice is your winner. <laughs> and he's going on to face your man, Muddy Burphy, at WrestleMania and dethrone him. You heard it here well, first. Well, Dan, call the police because the show might be stolen at WrestleMania between Nice and Murphy. But tonight, <laughs> what an awesome match it's been. Alexander and Nice to get to that opportunity. Absolutely fucking brilliant match. If they don't make this a triple threat match for WrestleMania, they're doing something wrong. Because both of these guys, there's no Tony Nice. It is his opportunity. And, you know, he has thoroughly deserved it throughout all his time in 205 Live. But both of these men deserve a standing ovation. Well, that's what the crowd has given them. That was awesome, Chant. Show of respect from Alexander. Maybe that's the kind of passing of the torch as well from Alexander. To Will he be the future of 205 Live? Will he's, Buddy Murphy come down? He's going to WrestleMania to face the Cruiserweight Champion. Fantastic effort from both men there. Really good everything they got and needs to be able to kick out uh-huh. of a lumbar check and then the running knees. Gets the job done in the end. Tony Nese is going to become your new cruiserweight champion. I, I've always liked the Premier Athlete. Course looks like a heavyweight, fights like a cruiserweight. But and he's will... definitely absolute. He is absolute. You're right. And he's going to go WrestleMania in the face. Yes. Yes. You're cheering as well. Your cruiserweight champion. Only because I called it. And uh, he comes out of his stupid hair tied up in a stupid fucking ponytail looking like a stupid fucking cunt. What a great t-shirt that what is What a ginger well. tosser what that is. What a great t-shirt. The Cruiserweight champ's been uh, to his hometown recently to recharge the batteries, but now he's back. And the friendship between Nice and Murphy, we all know about it, but it will be all business come mania. Murphy with a handshake to Nice, bit of respect, now raising the arm, saying you're going to mania. Oh, wait a minute! Pow! And a knee to the face! Well, we may be friends, but the Cruiserweight Championship means more to Buddy Murphy than anyone. Stupid fucking trousers that are stupidly fucking short and it shows his stupidly fucking shoes with no fucking stupidly worn socks on. That guy is your cruiserweight champion and he's going to WrestleMania to beat Tony Nice. I'm sorry, Dan, but that is just what's going to happen. He isn't going to beat Tony Nice. It's five live for this month. Dan, what are your final thoughts on everything that we've seen? I thought it was very good, apart from the first match of the last episode. And the last part of the of the last episode as well. Because there's been no Buddy Murphy on it. And there was Mike Kanellis acting like a complete cockwomble. Apart from that, it's all right. As a, as a whole for this month. The matches that mattered were very good. 
There were some great moments. And uh, again, you know, he's a great athlete. Tony Nice, Cedric Alexander proved he's a soul still of 205 Live. Coming up short, unfortunately for him. Yeah, and even like Humberto Carrillo and all the other talent that we've seen. So hopefully there's a future. And we'll see where we go after WrestleMania when it comes to 205 Live. So let's move on to news. News. And the sunny days have gone. WWE Hall of Famer Tammy Sitch, who performed under the ring name Sunny, was arrested on a DWI charge in New Jersey on Saturday night, February 26th. DMZ Sports report Tuesday that Sitch was pulled over for driving the wrong way on a one-way street and failing to obey a stop sign when officers arrested her on suspicion of driving while intoxicated. That's answered your question. There you go. She had also spent a driver's licence and two other active arrest warrants. And Sitch was released from jail in October after serving eight months for multiple DUI offences. So I guess she's learnt a lesson since then. Up next, W Hall of Famer and wrestling legend Harley Race has been diagnosed with lung cancer. And Ric Flair appearing on a podcast, not this one, so I'm, I'm a bit pissed off with that. But he said that the cancer was terminal. However, upon further clarification from Dave Marquez of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood... The cancer is not terminal and he's being treated by doctors. I just spoke to Harley Race's family and yes, he has been diagnosed with lung cancer. But it's not terminal. He's being treated and supervised by his doctors. He's still very active in wrestling and appreciates everyone's concerns. Considered to be one of the toughest guys in the history of the business, a 75-year-old Race had an active career that spanned three decades, wrestling with the AWA, NWA, WWF and WCW. He now runs the World and Indie Promotion in Missouri and also active in the Harley Race Wrestling Academy. Sab who? The former ECW star has been suspended from Twitter from hateful, for hateful conduct after someone reported him for homophobic tweets that included the F word. Sabu took some heat last year for comments about Rene Young and Jim Ross. He later apologised for his words and explained that there was heat between Ross and his father back in 1988 when the original Sheik was brought in to work some events. The problem is, problem with that is Ross was not in charge back then, so the anger was misplaced. Well, these days, Sabu still works independent shows, and he's scheduled to team with Rob Van Dam during WrestleMania weekend for Impact Wrestling's United We Stand Twitch show in New Jersey. They will face the Lucha Bros on that show. And on to arrivals. Five new superstars throughout Europe. Isia Rakoba, Kaylee Ray, Jazzy Gaber and Oliver Salter and Jay Melrose have joined the NXT UK roster. The group will join other NXT UK superstars in training at WWE's United Kingdom Performance Centre in North London. The 25-year-old Rukobo... Rukoba. Rukoba, who are competing around the world under the ring name Dragunov, was born in Russia and raised in Germany where his career in sports entertainment took root. Often described as invincible, he's feared for his unbridled intensity inside the ring. He turned heads at the WWE trier in Cologne last November. Well, Ray and Gaber, both of whom competed in the inaugural May Young Classic in 2017, were introduced as incoming NXT UK competitors while they were still sitting ringside at TakeOver Blackpool in January. Hailing from Glasgow, Scotland, the 5 8 Ray has racked up numerous championship reigns over a 10 3 stint at Insane Championship Wrestling's women's title holder. Known throughout the caution to the wind, for throwing caution to the wind, the Scottish Daredevil recently appeared on NXT UK on W Network, promised to go straight to the top 
of the women's division. She was also the first ever world of sport women's champion when that uh, series took place. So obviously she's left there as well. Well, Gaber made an unforgettable impression during her May Young Classic appearance in 2017, leaving onlookers in awe of her incredible power. Widely regarded as one of the strongest women in sports entertainment, the Burley Berliner stands at six foot one and has won wrestling titles in Germany, Japan, and Switzerland. A uh, twenty-four-year-old was a soccer standout for training for the ring, fast-moving and hard-hitting sort of wrestle throughout Europe under the professional name of Oliver Carter. And like the other fella, he attended last year's tryout in Cologne. NXT UK fans, meanwhile, have already grown familiar with Primate J Melrose. The eight mask wearing superstar who debuted on the brand in December, hailing from Newcastle, England, the 220 pound Melrose served in the British Army for six years, including as a member of the British Household Cavalry, which provides direct protection for the royal family. Yes. We'll move on to deaths, and WWE's saddened to learn that WWE legend King Kong Bundy has passed away at the age of 61. Bundy was appropriately called a walking condominium, standing at an impressive 6 foot 4 and weighing 458 pounds. The sight of Bundy stepping between the ropes was intimidating enough, but this crushing offence proved that he was every bit as attractive as advertised. In fact, Bundy was so powerful that he demanded referees count to five, which showed that there was no way they were getting up. The Atlantic City native broke into WWE in the 1980s, dominating at the first WrestleMania and memorably challenging Hulk Hogan for the WWE Championship inside a steel cage at WrestleMania 2. Two. Well, although Bundy left WWF in the late 80s, he returned in 1994 as part of the Million Dollar Corporation, once again destroying rivals with the Avalanche Splash and proving that he's one of the greatest and most eye-catching big men to like set of boots. The WNR extends its condolences to Bundy's family, friends and fans. Can I just say as well, he's one of the few guys, before we move on with this, to main event at WrestleMania, in WrestleMania 2, to main event with Hogan. And the following year, he was involved in the six-man tag team match with Hillbilly Jim, with the, the four little guys. Yeah. Uh, you think about that, you know, you drop off from being a main event to that. And he's one of the few guys as well, WrestleMania match with Young Take at WrestleMania 11, which is probably one of the worst matches Undertaker put away with Chokeslam. But I do remember King Kong Bundy as a kind of real 80s, you know, like you said, 80s slash 90s guy. And even when he went to WWF in like 94, he's still like 37, 38, even though he looked about 60. News of the death of the wrestler whose real name was Christopher Pallies was shared on Facebook by his longtime friend David Harrow. Mr. Harrow wrote, Today we lost a legend and a man I consider family. Rest in peace, Chris. We love you. Authorities have not yet revealed the cause of the famous wrestler's death. And the wrestling industry and fans have shared their memories of the wrestler, calling him a hero and an icon. Yeah, and uh, hearing the news, King Kong Bundy's passed away, another icon of the golden era. Rest in peace, big man. Well, the company once called the wrestler one of the most greatest and eye-catching big men to lace up a set of boots and offered its condolences to the Bundy family. The King Kong Bundy character was developed by Mr. Pallas on the New Jersey wrestling scene where he capitalised on his immense size. According to his official W profile, he weighed more than 458 pounds, or 208 kilos, and he made his WWE in 1981. And Hogan expressed his sadness at the death of the former rival, saying he was overwhelmed by the news. Yes, he said, overwhelmed by King Kong Bundy's passing, only great memories, RIP big man, until we meet again. And also the Iron Sheet took to Twitter as well. He said, goodbye, big Mato of the wrestler. So, King Kong Bundy, you will be missed. Well, WWE officially announced Thursday that WrestleMania 36 will be held at the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida in April 2020. 
As part of the announcement, WWE held a press conference Thursday to introduce the upcoming host city. Yeah, it features features from current WWE superstars Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair and Tights O'Neill, who was only there because it was his hometown, as well as WWE executives and on-screen performers Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. The press conference was also kicked off by WWE Hall of Famer and Tampa native Hulk Hogan, who discussed the importance of WrestleMania taking place in his hometown. And while WrestleMania has been held in the state of Florida on three occasions already, next year marks the first time the showcase of the Immortals will emanate from Tampa. As seen in the following tweet, the WrestleMania 36 logo is reminiscent of the NFL Tampa Bay's Buccaneers logo, which is fitting since Raymond James Stadium is home to the Bucks. WrestleMania 36 will represent a significant departure from WrestleMania 35 in terms of climate, as this year's WrestleMania will be held next month at the MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey for the second time. Holding WrestleMania at outdoor venues has become commonplace in recent years, just once in the first 23 years of the event's existence. When was that, James? Uh, that was your favourite WrestleMania of all time. WrestleMania 9, wasn't it? Yes, Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. With Raymond James Stadium hosting next year, WrestleMania will have taken place outdoors in six of the past nine years. And WrestleMania was last held in Florida on April 2nd, 2017 from the Camping Well Stadium in Orlando. It previously took place at Sunlight Stadium in Miami Gardens in 2012 and the Florida Citrus Bowl in Orlando in 2008. In addition to hosting WrestleMania, Raymond James has been home to several other significant sports and entertainment events over the years. Most notably, the Super Bowl has occurred at Raymond James Stadium twice, and it will host a big game again in 2021. Well, Raymond James Stadium offers some unique features that could help WrestleMania 36 stand out from previous editions of the event. Chief among them is the Buck Signature Pirate Ship. Well, during Buccaneers games, cannons are fired from the ship every time Tampa Bay scores. The cannons could be incorporated into the opening of WrestleMania 36 as well as some of the wrestlers' entrance. Yeah, I mean, also for the pirate princess, Kairi Sane is called up to the main roster for NXT. She has the potential to have one of the most epic entrances in WrestleMania history thanks to that ship. Well, with many of the WWE wrestlers living in Tampa and the WWE Performance Center being just over an hour away in Orlando... WrestleMania 36 has the makings of a homecoming of sorts for WWE. Tampa is also a quality tourist location that figures to help ensure that WrestleMania 36 and all of its surrounding festivities are a rousing success for WWE next year. Well, at the press conference, WWE gave a list uh, of do's and don'ts. and They said you can't use professional wrestler. You've got to use WWE superstar. They don't want to be called Divas and Belt, but rather WWE Superstars and WWE Championship or title. Uh, And not the WWE, just WWE. And AJ Styles posted a picture on social media and said, This is the newest member of my family. Also, I've signed a new contract with the WWE. What a cute little guy. And it's a cute little puppy dog there. And it's good news that AJ has indeed signed the contract, Dan, isn't it? Yes, that is a very good news. And Sin Cara posted a very similar picture. This is the most recent member of my family, a picture of a cute dog. Also, I have not signed a new contract with the WWE. What a cute little guy. Yeah, so Sin Cara was a three-year contract, which is a bit weird because they've not used him for some time. But with the AJ Styles things, it is very good news because there's a guy that, you know, would have been interested in AEW and other promotions around the world. And we've seen and we talked about him on a photo shoot, how good he is. And he definitely deserves another run. You know, even if it is lesser dates or whatever it is, I think Styles definitely deserves it. If it means his career can go for like another five years as well. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Jericho had said recently as well 
that one of the reasons why you left WWE, uh, WCW for WWE in 1999 is, uh, well, there's three reasons, really. Uh, one of them, well, they're not three reasons, there's three people who always want to work with. One was Shawn Michaels, one was Ricky Steamboat, and the other was Owen Hart. He never got a chance to work with him. But it's interesting, Jericho wanting to make the move to WWE, and that's what we're kind of seeing this moment in WWE versus WCW. Of course, Jericho's partly AEW roster, and another man who potentially might become part of it. Good old JR. Yeah. And wasn't it when the rumours was first going round, Chris Jericho was a huge rumour, that was kind of confirmed, and JR was a huge rumour, and he kind of stated outright that, no, I'm not going to yeah. AEW. Yeah, just weeks after announcing his soon be part of with WWE, wrestling legend Jim Ross has confirmed he is in talks with AEW. And he says, we're talking, we're talking, I just haven't signed anything. My people and their people are doing their thing. So it sounds like JR's definitely going to be, I guess, the, the face of the commentary there in AEW, which would give it a familiar feel to fans who like JR still, you know? It'll be all good. Uh, EC3 had a great response for WWE wishing him a happy birthday through the power of social media. He took to his official Twitter account where he responded by stating, Thanks, Caitlin was delicious. You can see, you can see the tweet online, obviously. Um... Which I think is quite funny because most people company don't know what the deal is, but one person stated that for some reason Vince Man is not too high on EC3 right now. Yes, after having a successful run in TNA wrestling, he made the jump to WWE where he signed and was placed in NXT in January 2018. After several months working on the LO brand in December, WWE officials made the call that it was the right time for him to be placed on the main roster by working on the flagship show of the company, Monday Night Raw. But ever since then, WWE hasn't done much with him. Instead, he's been used in backstage angles uh, and working main event tapings, which is considered a a lesser show than Raw or SmackDown. Ganderson, will they or won't they? Well, this is the thing. There was rumours that they rejected new contracts and then they came out and said, don't uh, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Uh, So we still don't know their, their, their contract expires in September. But I think Ganson, the problem is they've been chronically underused, haven't they, in WWE? And, I mean, would you, what do you want to happen to Ganson? Would you want to see him signed, or do you want to see him go off and, and try something else? I would like to see them signed and actually do something with them. You know, make them worthwhile. They was good when they came in, then they turned into a joke with their fucking doctor gimmick with their fucking thing. I think they just need to be a serious threat, and they'll work. Both of them are very good workers. Yeah, I, I think without doubt, and I think it'd be interesting to see... And what happens in the future. And here's one for the Rosebuds. <laughs> Raymond Leppon, a.k.a. former WWE superstar Adam Rose, has announced that he will not be taking any future wrestling bookings because he will be retiring after he fulfills his remaining commitments. The 39-year-old announced the news on his Instagram account. Well, Rose began his career on the South African independent scene. Not the uh, South African independent. <laughs> in the diplomatic community. Diplomatic community. He's just been revoked. Uh, independence. Rose began his career on the South African independence scene. In can you say it without a South African accent? I don't think I can say South African. Rose began his career on the South African independence scene in 1995 as Z-Max. He was signed to a development deal with WWE in 2010 and wrestled as Leo Kruger, but was later replaced as Adam Rose in NXT. He made his debut on the main roster in 2014, but he left the company in 2016 due to personal issues. Initially, he said 2017 would be his last year in the wrestling business, but continued wrestling due to financial reasons. In January, Rose thanked fans helping to get sober and he posted a photo of before and after. These days, he's looking pretty jacked. And Rose wrote on Twitter, 
Instagram. Instagram. I want to announce my full-time retirement from the wonderful world of professional wrestling. It's been one hell of a ride. I will be fulfilling all dates currently booked, but will not be taking any more bookings going forward. Thank you to the fans who supported me, the promoters who booked me, all the good brothers and sisters who worked with me. Mainly thank you to the WWE for letting a nine-year-old self-efflican boy live his dream. Many blessings. So much love to you all. Goodbye and thank you. Oh, so that's Adam Rose. Bit of a shame. So no way, Jose. That's the sign of what's going to happen to you in a few years' time. We move on to Arrivals. And another top independent star is saying goodbye as he gets ready to move on to WWE. Former Major League Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion Shane Strickland said goodbye to the fans and the crew at Friday's Defy Wrestling Show. Well, several members of the Defy roster walked out and everyone sang his Ain't Nobody theme song before Strickland walked to the backstage area. If he hasn't already, you believe he will sign with WWE soon. Typically, wrestlers are told to keep the silence quiet so the company can announce it on their website when he starts WWE his expected debut in NXT. Well, WWE announced the signing of three new superstars to the WWE Performance Center on Monday in the form of Robert Robbie E. Strauss. Stokely Hathaway and Cal Bloom. Well, Robbie E is perhaps the best-known commodity of the wrestling fans because of his stint with Impact Wrestling. The 35-year-old New Jersey native was a long-term member of the Impact Wrestling roster from 2010 to his departure in 2017. He won the TNA TV and X Division Championships one time each. He's also a two-time TNA World Tag Team Champion alongside bro-man's partner Jesse Godders. And additionally, he has some mainstream appeal as he appeared on season 25 of the popular reality series The Amazing Race alongside ex-girlfriend and former TNA Knockouts champion Brooke Tessmacher. Halfway, somewhat of an unorthodox signing for WWE since he's primarily a manager rather than an in-ring performer. Well, Halfway... While Hathaway does wrestle occasionally, he has the ability to get physical when needed. His promo skills are the penchant for taking up a client, talking up a client, are his greatest assets. They're on full display across the independent scene in companies known as Ring of Honor, Shikara and Evolve. In Ring of Honor, Hathaway had a lengthy run as a manager for Moose, who is now a top star with Impact Wrestling. And Kevin Owens is among those who are excited to see Hathaway get a chance to shine on the biggest stage in wrestling. Yes, unlike E and Hathaway, Bloom has little experience in the wrestling business, although he is familiar with the professional wrestling world due to his upbringing. Yep, Bloom is the son of long-time wrestler Wayne Bloom, who teamed with Mike Enos in the AWA and WWE. From 91 to 93, Bloom went by Bo Beverly in WWE as part of the tag team known as the Beverly Brothers, alongside Enos, Blake Beverly. Well, Bloom has yet to wrestle a match, but the 25-year-old is a potential blue-chip prospect at six foot five and two hundred and fifty five pounds. He played college football as a tight end at the UCF and was also named UCF's strongest player by virtue of bench pressing five hundred pounds per WWE.com. Fucking hell. Well Chelsea Green, the former Impact Wrestling and Tough Enough style is now part of the W Performance Centre as one of the trainees will be undergoing surgery after breaking a wrist during a match. Yes, Green wrestled Jesse Elaban in her first match at Full Sail University in a dark match during last night's NXT TV tapings in Winter Park, Florida, and that's where she suffered the injury. She noted on the social media that making a full debut at Full Sail was everything she imagined it would be, but of course, with this job comes occupational hazards. Unfortunately, I broke my wrist mid-match, 
and will cross surgery first thing tomorrow morning. Yeah. But she still won the match. Yeah, Green said that she's upset, angry, sore, and the whole situation sucks. But this was just situation. A, this is a small bump in the road for the goals she set for 2019. Well, she signed a WWE deal five months ago and has not appeared on NXT television yet. Prior to joining WWE again, Green wrestled as Laurel Van Ness in Impact Wrestling. And we move on to deaths, and unfortunately, Wally Yamaguchi's son has passed away. WWE issued a following statement on his passing. Yasuki Wally Yamaguchi passes away. WWE learned the death that Wally Yamaguchi, Japanese wrestling fixture and former kind time manager, has passed away at the age of 60. Although primarily known to WWE Universe as a villainous Yamaguchi son during the late 90s, Yamaguchi was a key figure in Japanese sports entertainment during the 1980s, editing Gong magazine and working with various Japanese promotions as a referee and an agent. In addition to appearing on screen as Kayantai's manager, Yamaguchi also worked with its Japan liaison. His brother Shun Yamaguchi is a Japanese television announcer for WWE's pay-per-view broadcasts. WWE extends its condolences to Yamaguchi's family, friends... Hall of Fame. Now, can you dig that? Booker T and Steve Ray were one of the most dominant tag teams in the 90s, steamrolling over competition in WSW to become tag team champions on 10 occasions. Now the brothers will be immortalised in sports entertainment history. Harlem Heat are the latest inductees into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2019. They'll enter the fabled hall on the eve of WrestleMania 35, Saturday, April the 6th, at the Barclays Centre in Brooklyn, New York. With this induction, Booker T will become a two-time, two-time WWE Hall of Fame inductee joining Ric Flair and fellow 2019 inductee Shawn Michaels to Generation X. The news was first reported by USA Today. Bursting on the scene straight off the 110th Street in Harlem, New York, Booker T and Stevie Ray arrived in WSW in summer 93, bringing a streetwise, in-your-face attitude to the squared circle. They stared directly into camera on their way to the ring, warning fans at home that they were about to bust some heads when they stepped between the ropes, and bust heads they did. Yeah, Harlem Heat wasted no time mixing up with top stars of WCW like Sting, Ric Flair and British Bulldog, leaving joined forces with Sid and Vader to enter the unforgiving battleground known as War Games. It was when the brothers took on the managerial services at the 2006 Hall of Fame inductee Sensational Sherry that their stars began to shine. With sister Sherry in their corner, it wasn't long before Harlem Heat captured their first WCW Tag Team Championship, defeating Stars and Stripes on WCW Saturday night. Yeah, Booker T and Steve Ray brawled with likes of the Steiner Brothers, Sting and Lex Luger and the Nasty Boys on their way to seven reigns as WCW Tag Team Champions. To seven, the two brothers went their separate ways, Stevie going on to become a trusted member of the infamous NWO, while Booker T became a breakout single star, capturing the WCW television title on several occasions. After nearly two years apart, Booker T and Steve Ray reunited and returned to a vastly different tag team landscape in WCW. However, Harlem Heat hadn't lost a step as they defeated the Jersey Triad to win their eighth WCW tag team titles at Road World 1999. Before the turn of the millennium, they added two more reigns as, to their cha- as champions. Their incredible resume setting a WCW record that would not be broken before the company was purchased by WWE in 2001. And Loda Brothers never competed as a team inside the WWE ring. There's no def- de- denying their pure dominance of tag team wrestling during the Monday Night War. That's why Harlem Heat has been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. 
Yes, don't miss Booker T and Stevie Ray take their place in the sports entertainment history during a 2019 WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony on the eve of WrestleMania 35, Saturday, April the 6th at the Barclays Centre in Brooklyn. And the WNR will have a live Hall of Fame special for the very first time. Well, WWE announced this year's Warrior Award recipient and it will honour a long-time employee this year with the Warrior Award. The company announced that Sue Aitchinson, who has worked for the company for 30 years at the corporate office, will be the recipient this year. The award will be presented by Dana Warrior. Aitchinson's credit with spearheaded W's community outreach programme with Make-A-Wish and other organisations to make a positive impact on children and their families around the world. This is a departure from what they've done in previous years, but this is more in line with what the Ultimate Warrior said he wanted when he talked about the Warrior Award during his Hall of Fame speech shortly before his passing in 2014. Warrior said that he wanted WWE to create an award to honour those who work behind the scenes. Well, Dead Man Cometh. While it's unclear if the Untake will make his presence felt at WrestleMania 35 in April... He is reportedly scheduled for a major WWE show in May. Major WWE show in May. According to sources, the Undertaker will take part in the next show in Saudi Arabia on May 3rd. Well, Taker competed in just four matches in 2018 and two of them occurred in Saudi Arabia. He faced Rusev in a casket match at the Greatest Royal Rumble and later teamed with Kane against Triple H and Shawn Michaels at Crown Jewel in November. Well, Saudi Arabia is the biggest money draw of the year. And at last year's WrestleMania, Undertaker answered the challenge of John Cena and defeated him in what was essentially a squash match. Cena had been calling out the Phenom for weeks leading up to WrestleMania, but it wasn't until Taker showed up that it became clear he would wrestle. The Undertaker is synonymous with WrestleMania, primarily because of his 21-0 undefeated streak from 91 to 2013. Even... Lose, even since losing to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30 in 2014, though Taker has competed at every WrestleMania. Well, in fact, The Undertaker has not missed a WrestleMania since WrestleMania 2000, meaning he has performed at 18 in a row. At 53 years of age, it is possible that WWE or The Undertaker have decided now it is time to end that impressive streak. Although, there is also some chance that The Undertaker could make an unannounced appearance at the MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, to wrestle an impromptu match or take part in a segment. Yeah, replacing Baron Corbin as Kurt Angle's opponent or interrupting Elias' musical performance, both stand out as ways The Undertaker could be utilised without being advertised as ahead of time. Regardless of Taker's WrestleMania status, fans of the dead man can apparently look forward to at least one more match in Saudi Arabia and for the has, money. Yes, and he has been seen at Performance Centre recently with Michelle McCall, where he'll be training or whatever it is. We don't know. New home. New home, yeah. WWE will be moving away from Titan Towers as it will be relocating its corporate headquarters to a new office complex located at 677 Washington Boulevard in Stamford, Connecticut. The move comes after 34 years in the same building and relocating the headquarters will mean that corporate offices and production studios will be in the same building rather than separate ones. In a press release, the move is attributed to accommodate the ever-growing workforce. The new site also has a better floor plans, greater flexibility and is located in Stanford's central business district which provides greater access to various potations. One of the most important elements necessary to execute WWE's long-term growth strategy is a world-class talent collaborating seamlessly to help create compelling content. 
Our workplace initiative will be the foundation to meet those objectives and underpins our ability to deliver long-term value, says George Barros, WWE co-president. Yeah, WWE will not own the space, but at least it will for initially 16.5 years and then it's renewed every other five years. The company will sell its current HQ space at East Main Street. WWE will also stop the lease at another facility on the same street and will evaluate the option of two other leases of their production facilities on Hamilton Avenue. The new lease starts in July 2019, but a complete move will not happen until early 2021. So we move on to NXT UK, and it's episode 31, and it's the 20th of February. Match one, Joe Coffey and Mark Coffey defeated Mark Andrews and Flash Webster Morgan. An elite tag team showdown kicked off the latest episode of NXT UK when the explosive combination of Mark Andrews and Webster Morgan Flash squared off against Gallus' Joe Coffey and Mark Coffey. At the end of the knockdown drag-out contest, Mark caught Andrews as his opponent dove through the ropes and planted on the ring apron with authority. Moments later, Joe raised his knees and halted Webster's aerial attack off the top rope. This paved the way for Mark to execute a wicked forearm on the Modfather, sending him right into the Iron King's all the best for the Bells for the impressive victory. Could Gallus have their sights set on the Grizzled Young Veterans NXT UK Tag Team titles? Well, I think that is a great question to ask. I mean, this was a good showing for the Coffee Brothers, who have the potential to be a fine duo in the WWE. Having Mark and Flash for opponents is about as good of a scenario as these guys could have hoped for, and the fact that it got was great development. This was a good match that should have been able to go longer and harder, but it was a blast whilst it lasted. Indeed, yes. And on to match two, Trent Seven defeated Shane Thorne. Stepping off of Mustache Mountain for the night, Trent Seven took on the very aggressive Australian Shane Thorne in his NXT UK debut. In the final moments of an extremely hard-fought effort, the heart of the artful Dodger reigned supreme. Although he absorbed incredible punishment and injury to his right arm, Seven roared back to overcome his opponent with the earth-shattering lariat and pick up the much-deserved free count. This was a good match that went back and forth for a little while and made the most of its time. I like the look of this match and the brute approach that both took to the offence. Imagine two gorillas beating the shit out of each other for a banana, and you got this match in a handbasket. And on to the main event of the night, NXT UK Women's Champion Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley. Yeah, so this should be a very interesting matchup. I've seen uh, these two women square off a couple of times now, and uh, for the Women's Championship, we... So what are your thoughts on Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley? Um, I'm a huge fan of Tony Storm. I think she's an incredible athlete. And Rhea Ripley, I think she's carrying off that heel persona really well. And there's big things to come in the future of both of these women. Yeah, I agree with Ron's doubt. You know, you look at these two women, they're definitely the future here. You've kind of got the, the baby face perfect in Tony Storm. The fans value behind all the time. And Rhea Ripley is another one that I, I'm, I really dig it at the moment. She's kind of giving that badass kind of heel. You know, like Shania Basler maybe. But just, I think for me, I think Rhea Ripley's doing it better at this moment. In well, time. it's what Shania Basler could have been. Yeah. <laughs> obviously without the outside help of our two friends and relying on her four horsewoman mm. name and being better in the ring well here comes Tony Storm the winner of the second May Young Classic who I correctly predicted I believe yes. and she's ready for action she's got a smile on her face and a title over her shoulder 
And we see what the men can bring. We know we've got an upcoming meeting between Dunn and Walter at some point. We know they're going to see the tag team titles next week, but now it's all about the women's division. Tony so I'm absolutely proud to be holding the Women's UK Championship. Well, shadow of a doubt. And I was going to say something a little bit different then. The fact that this is being filmed the same place you did the World's Collide Tournament, which, you know, the couple of days over, like, Rumble Access Weekend and stuff like this. And a massive company make the most of their surroundings. Just think how many shows and how many matches have actually come from where where they are right now over those two days. And if any other, you know, wrestling company or anything is looking, I think just make the most of what you got. You know, if you've got a place booked, then use it. You know, the fans are going to be there. They're going to come and go. They might not be, you know, into the action, but if you can pull you in, get given enough time, we can see with the Wells Clyde tournament how good that was in the end as well. So I think it's really good, you know, especially these maybe these fans not seeing Tony Stormson, you know, or not knowing much about her. Oh, and just as the ring announcer was announcing Tony Storm, she was holding her title aloft. Rao Ripley comes from behind, just knocks Tony Storm down and just wailing away at her head with some huge elbows, throws her back into the corner and the match hasn't even started yet. The referee's saying, can we start it? Yeah, so here we go. Women's title, but Ray Ripley has already got the advantage. She wants her championship back. Huge forearm shots are now attacking the midsection. And you've got New Zealand versus Australia in this match. And now the kick's in the corner of Ripley. But do you think these two women are facing off again because there isn't anyone else to really legitimately challenge them at the moment? You up-and-comers coming into it that could potentially be challengers, but... Aside from Raw Ripley, who else could go for the women's championship? No, I think you're right. I think you're right at the moment. Like I said, but these two women are quite strong, and these two women could be there in NXT. You know, especially changing for the title. I hope to see maybe a couple of women drop down. We've got a lot of potential here. You know, we've seen people like uh, Zia Brookside or uh, Isla Dawn, and you know, you know, like I said, a couple of years it is a developmental league. I don't see why these two. I wouldn't mind watching these two women feud for a few months, if, as long as the story's correct. You know what I mean? At the moment. It's about being, I guess, number one. We know they've got personal issues with each other. Uh, I, I definitely think, you know, when you talk about the, the rivals that are coming in, I think we're definitely going to see them projected in. I'm really looking forward to, and I, I can't wait if it happens, with Viper to come into there. I think she could be straight into that main event scene uh, with the women's, uh, and I don't think it would take a step back. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the kind of... <coughs> That's the kind of talent that they need. I think, I'd be, I think it'd be great. Or other women like that. Nikki Cross, if they're not doing anything with her on SmackDown, let her come to the party, even if it's in you know, multi-women matches, wherever it is. It'll be so much fun, and the fans would appreciate it as well. And that's what I like about the UK audience. And now Ray Ripley's picked up Tony Storm. Sending her back first into the ring post. Throws her onto the apron. Now Tony Storm hasn't even got out of the gates in this match yet. Ripley going for a cover, but Storm managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Rav Ripley still in full control, grabbing hold of the hair for Tony Storm. Will we see the rip tide or will we see the Storm Zero to finish this match? Who are you backing in this one then? Uh, I've got to say Tony Storm. Once she takes on the, uh, once she weathers the storm, so to speak. <laughs> see what I did there? Tony Storm weathering it. It's not funny if I have to explain it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, she could uh, let Ray Ripley tire herself out and then capitalise on that. And we've seen it before, haven't we? With Tony Storm. Especially during the May Young Classic. We have indeed, yes. She certainly is resilient. And I went through it in the May Young Classic. Yeah. Correctly. She, she nearly did it every match, didn't she? She was beating up through it. Yeah. And then came through... Tony Storm trying to get back into this, kicking about the back of Ray Ripley. Is this a title match? 
Oh, a lovely drop kick from Ripley. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh, but Storm kicking out. Oh. Ripley with a bit of trash talking sound. I don't think it's Tony time. Storm trying to respond with forearms. And Ripley's certainly been one step ahead of Storm throughout all of this match. Tony's had a little bit of offense, but it's all just been rare, Ripley. Well, this reminds me of a classic uh, big man versus little man in this one. Where we see complete kind of dominance takes uh, Tony Storm, you know, five, six strikes to get Tony, uh, to get Ray Ripley backed off with Ray Ripley just needs one and then just in dominant control. And Ripley with the inverted Texas Cloverleaf. Very innovative from her. Well, Storm's going to struggle here. She's going to try and adjust her body weight. Ray Ripley's only to give up and tap out. But she's got a lot of heart and determination as she rolls through, sends Ripley to the outside. As Raya's up on the apron, Tony gives her a kick to the head, knocks her back down to the mats. That's going to storm, going to come flying. Takes out Raya Ripley. See, I think these are proper fans, these NXT lot. Well, they paid the money to be there and they want to watch it, didn't they? So yeah. these aren't the ones that will meet and greet. They're, some of them probably sat there all day to watch it. It would be me, yes. I would be the one sitting there. My first first moment would probably be sitting at one of these for two days. And now Tony Storm with a hip attack. German suplex pin. Oh, only a two count though. Two. Tony needs to stay on Ripley though because you can't give her a second to breathe. That's the thing. She's, you know, mouthy and edgy. But she does back up Ray Ripley. But now it might be time. Tony looking for Storm Zero. But Ripley turns out of it. A few elbows to the chest. And a lariat as well. That might knock Tony Storm. Ray Ripley's still got hold of her. Dragging a limp Tony Storm round. Holding her by her wrist. Tony ducks the close on attempt. Backstabber. And they both women kneeling down. Elbowing each other. Make their way up to a vertical base. And tap a hand. As I say that, Ripley though. Slap round her face. Ripley looking to run the ropes. Storm catches her with a forearm. And a row with a jumping kick to the chest. Tony ducks a clothesline attempt and a huge headbutt. Drops Ripley to the mat. Goes for a cover. Oh, but Raya managing to kick out. Oh. Well, a true war of attrition, evil woman. Climbs up to the top turnbuckle, but Ripley's recovered in time. Crutches her on the top. I think that hurts men more than it does. We're going to be effective. And Tony Storm headbutting again, Raya Ripley. Now she's on top. Calls Ripley in. Oh, and she responds with a step-up kick to the head. And Ripley means business. Going all the way up top to meet Tony Storm. Superplex off the second rope. Goes for a cover. One, two. Oh, no. Only a two count. Two. Now Ripley's not happy. Now kicking away at Tony Storm. Scoop slam in the corner. And just stomping away. And Storm get caught with a huge chop in the corner by Ripley. Not once, but twice. And now Ripley has got a target for Storm. Now Storm jumps over the top. Ripley's shoulder barges the ring post. I think the ring moved a little bit. Storm low spins round into... Storm zero. One, two, three. 
And Tony Storm puts away Rhea Ripley there. Was that too easy in the end? I mean, their takeover match, I think it took a couple of finishers. But then again, it is uh, taping, so... Yeah, well, Rhea Ripley had just been sent shoulder first into the ring post. I think that softened her up a bit. Storm Zero finished her off. And is it making Rhea Ripley look weak or is it making Tony Storm's finisher look strong? Well, hopefully it's that case there. That is looking strong. I don't think Ripley's going to lose too much in defeat here. She dominated the majority of the match. And uh, even though it wasn't as good as previous efforts, it was not a bad match. We move on to our next episode of NXT UK. It's episode 32. It's the 27th of February. Yes, and our first match, Tyler Bate versus Jack Gallagher. And for me, this is a little bit of a dream match. I can't remember seeing these two men face off. Very similar. I've never seen them in the same room. Let's see what happens. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, it's a bit of a dream match for me also. These two guys, both great technical wrestlers. Good to see Jack Gallagher on NXT UK. And uh, being utilised very well as well. Yep. So this should be a technical masterpiece from two of Britain's best, really. Indeed, yes. Jack Gallagher from 205 Live and Tyler Bate from everywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) He really has done everything, hasn't he, Tyler Bate? He's even appeared on 205 Live as well. Uh, And, of course, part of Mustache Mountains, he's got that to fall back on. You know, still such a young man. I'm hoping that these are the future, but what we thought from Jack Gallagher, he's kind of uh, quieted down a little bit recently, hasn't he, you know? He has. This is kind of the pick-me-up that gentleman jack needs obviously it's being filmed in the u.s yep it's, i think it's the same, same place still i think there's still another bit of a uh, tapings going on here but you can see jack and if he can come back to nxt uk i think that'd be brilliant you know what a move and then he can work his way through the roster suit with noam dar recently and i think uh, gallagher would be another great guy and there, Jesse surprised us both through the uh, UK Championship Tournament. Uh, we were both very, very impressed with not just his technical ability, but just his mannerisms, his wrestling skill, everything about him was very impressive. Also made an appearance in the Royal Rumble as well. Got eliminated by Mark Henry. Yeah, brilliant. Did he have the umbrella there as well? He did, Jesse. He uh, done singing in the rain to Chris Jericho. <laughs> and then got thrown out by Mark Henry. Whilst keeping his brolly aloft. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, I mean, you know, Jack Gallagher, he turned heel, didn't he? And he kind of gone a, a little bit uh, quieter. But I think he can, he's got a lot of personality about him. We've, we've talked about that a lot. And I think these two men can go far. I mean, look at this at the moment. It is a technical masterclass between these two guys. And you wouldn't expect anything less. No, it's like a head scissors by Jackie Boy. And he's got all the bait. Now Tyler's got to try and find a way out of this. And this is... Uh, Proper old school British style wrestling. We talk about doing between American and British. These two guys. <laughs> Tyler Bate with a headstand, managing to get out of it. But Gallagher straight back on, so it counters back into the head scissors with the legs. And now grabbing the leg of Bate and extending him there as well. Oh, very innovative from Tyler Bate, bridging out of it, springing across and just bouncing out. Gallagher a lesson or two about the British star wrestling. But now look at Jack just on the ground as well. He's saying to Bate, go on, you try and grab my leg. You try and do something with this. Well, Bate takes the bait and Gallagher grabs hold of the leg. He's got a heel hook in. That's fantastic. We we say Tyler Bate, you know, so technical. But Jack at the moment, literally tying him up in knots. And this is the 
Jack Gallagher that we was wanting to see live. live. Well, he's definitely got the talent there. We can see it in the early going. Tyler Bate looking to reach the arm round, but Gallagher had that scouted. Wrist lock, but Gallagher picks him up. Tyler Bate, though, with the arm drag takedown, rolls him through. He's turned it, and this could cause Jack some pain. But he's just taking his time, trying to fight his way through it. Hammerlock in with the legs. Both his arms free to manipulate the elbow into the ribs. Who was the wrestler that used to go up into the mushroom? And then whatever way you attack it, like his, he'd be on his back, legs like that. I think it might have been in the British Wrestling World of Sports special that I watched years and years ago when Fit Finley and... Oh my, honestly, I would have to look it up. But he used to get into it and whatever way you tried to attack <coughs> it, he'd be able to tie you up in knots <laughs> from that. Absolutely fucking brilliant. And it's showing what these two guys could do as well. They're looking at, that, you know, those sorts of videos and learning from that and trying to apply it and trying to teach a new audience. You know, these guys have probably not this before. Yeah, you know, they're used to all the flippy stuff and all the big power moves from the big dogs. But seeing this kind of thing, you know, a lot of them are looking at their phones at the moment, which I find irritating. This is, you know, it's really fascinating stuff, just wrestling, counter-wrestling, yeah. counter-holds and... You know, even up into the surfboard. But I think the British fans do, you know, we appreciate stories, but told in different ways. It doesn't have to be the same thing all the time. That's not knock at NXT or anything like that. It's just like, there are other ways of doing it. And these two guys at the moment... Are putting on a technical masterclass. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, and it's not necessarily inflicting too much pain to your opponent. In other ways, it's wearing down certain mm. body parts and... You know, just making your opponent look stupid, well, so to speak. You've got to be wary of what you're doing as well. And if you make a mistake, it seems in, in this one here, is that you, you're going to be doomed. You're going to be caught there for quite a while. You know, you see these two men. It's kind of cagey. If it's catch as catch can, you know, it's perfectly it's stated there. So move to counter to move. And, you know, you, you occasionally get the hard style thrown in there as well. As you say, that forearm across the nose. William Regal would be pleased watching that. Oh, triple threat match. Throw Pete Dunne into the mix as it's well. Just, yeah. NXT UK have a chance to, you know, have such a really strong roster. If the, if the talent want to kind of stay, as Pete Dunne has said as well, you know, like, he's not going anywhere. People think that people, he might move on. He's, he's, he's going to stay around. They want to build this brand up. And these two guys can be, you know, the future. We've talked about how great Tyler Bate is. But if Jack Gallagher can deliver these type of performances... Would you take Jack Gallagher from 205 Live? No, I doubt, in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, I'd take him away for Gulak, take him away for all the team in, focus on the character. Even turning him face and just having him, you know, kind of, that would be enjoyable there. Imagine matches against people like Liguero or, or stuff like that. You yeah. could definitely work, you know, Flash Morgan Webster. Webster, Flash Morgan. Flash Morgan Webster. Yeah, I keep saying it right. <laughs> and now Bates got Jack's arm. Look at the power picking him up. Must be at least, yeah. At least nine foot in the air. Gallagher on the shoulders, got the aeroplane spin going. Now the knee's given out on it, and Jack Gallagher goes straight back to that. And that is a beautiful submission there by Jack. Bate couldn't carry the weight. It's one of his uh, signature moves, as it was. I think, you know, Tyler Bate hasn't really had a technical wrestling match for a while. You know, he's normally used to springing off the ropes and kind of making his opponent look stupid, but... Not so much being made to look stupid himself. Yeah, and I mean, that was great then, where Bates stretched for the uh, bottom rope and Jack just caught the arm. But Tyler managing to get to the bottom rope. 
Jack's going to use all of the five count he can before he has to break it. And that's another thing about Gallagher that, you know, beyond his years, just, he's, he's not quick. We talk about Humberto Carrillo, you know, making his debut and being, being too quick on 205 Live. And Gallagher just seems to be beyond the years. Just, they seem to be not taking it nice and slow, making sure there's no mistakes. You know, I think seem to be spot on at the moment with this. Oh, and you, you know, you know, between these two guys, they've been trained so well that it will be spot on. Yeah. I mean, you know, just rolling between the pinning combinations <laughs> as well. Absolutely seamless. Just rolling about. <laughs> oh, come on. How are you not liking it? The man? referee can't even get there to count the ones. <laughs> He's just crawling around the mat looking stupid. Oh, my word. Slowing <laughs> down, though, but no. <laughs> oh, no. Speeding up again, taking out the referee. Get out of the way, ref. Both men getting dizzy. Tyler oh. Bate, though, with a two cap. Mm. And the fans are appreciating what they're seeing, and I'm happy with that. There we go. Oh, Bate rolling them up. And he got him. A shocking victory. Rolls up Jack out the blue. <laughs> but I could have seen this fight this fight go on for an hour. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, these two men gelled so well. And, and it's good that Gallagher didn't go down in the kind of, you know what I mean, with the... Um, the Tyler driver, and it was actually kind of like out of nowhere, so you could have a rematch, and yes, please, and that's it, a little bit longer. What's going to happen now, though? Well, there'll be a show of respect between the two men. I think they both deserve the respect. Well, Bates celebrating there. And what a great match. Absolutely perfect, <laughs> yeah. No, Jack's walking away, and it's Bates' time to shine, but I feel that's not the last of it. Def- I hope it's not the last mm. of it. But Jordan Devlin attacked Travis Banks center. And in the ongoing volatile war between Banks and Devlin, the Irish ace made good on his recent threats to the Kiwi buzzsaw when he pulled him off the ring apron during an in-ring drill at the UK Performance Center, igniting an out-of-control brawl between the two competitors that eventually led to the announcement of the NXT UK's first ever Falls Count Anywhere match for next week. But up next, it's Cassius Ono. And yes, it's great to see Cassius, but unfortunately for him... He's and going, his chest. And he's going to have to go against this man. never thought we'd have another theme to play after Nakamura and Rude. My chest still hasn't recovered from his last match. <laughs> I know, I know. Quite a, a match-up it was for Walter last time out on NXT UK, and tonight he's going against Cassius Ono. Yes, and we've got the knockout artist going against the slap-out artist. <laughs> well, we'll see who comes out on top. And we've seen Cassius Ono, was it Cassius Ono tapped out to the strikes, or was it someone else? You no, know, he did, he tapped out to Riddle, yeah, yeah. So, do you reckon we could see Cassius Ono tapping out to a chop across the chest? Uh, I think more than likely, if Cassius might have bitten off more than he can chew, which is uh, quite a statement, considering the size of Cassius Ono right now. 
But wouldn't you want to do a Bret Hart against him? Have like a steel plate in your <laughs> T-shirt. <laughs> when he slaps it, it breaks his hand. Pete Dunn should do If Pete Dunn doesn't do that, then we'll, get, we'll, we'll tweet him. So here we go. Cassius is the veteran, but Walter's been around the independent scene for so long and has made a, a massive statement on NXT UK. Two big hosses as well. This is going to be very different to the match we've just seen <laughs> yeah. between Gallagher and Bate. Well, I doubt. He's seen the two smallest guys on the brand, now the two potential biggest guys on the brand. Well, we've still got the tag team title still to come tonight. Grizzled Young Verts versus Birch and Lorcan. What an absolute treat this episode is. <laughs> I know. It's Three been a... great matches. I think it's been the best episode so far. Well, let's see if it can deliver. And Cassius now... Going for the lock-up with Walter. Well, last we saw Cassius, he was saying goodbye to NXT, the American one, and turning his back on that. Maybe, you know, he wants to try and cut his teeth. He's not had much luck, luck or success yeah. in NXT. Will NXT UK be any better for him? Well, I think so. he's more of a name talent. You know, I think NXT UK across the whole divisions need name talent to help them. And even if Cassius Sono is going up against people like Pete Dunne, or Walter, I think it's, it's good to see. Yes, but does it help the fact that they're being taped in America? Because obviously, you know, we've seen Tyler Bate. Yeah. We're seeing Cassius. So I know we're going to see Lorcan and Birch later on, even though half of them are from the UK. I, I think you're right. I think we shall see what happens in the, in the next few weeks. But let's hope that they can build from this and say, well, if they like to do it, you know, maybe have them come, come across. Cause I think it does, definitely does help the brand. But don't get me wrong, I'm looking forward to seeing Devlin versus Banks next week because that story's been the one kind of told most over the UK programme. Well, it's recent. pretty much since the inception yeah. of it, these two guys have had a problem with each other. They were supposed to face off at NXT TakeOver Blackpool, but to James's uh, chagrin, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Finn right. Balor turned up. Yeah, and uh, we, we saw what happened that night. So next week, they're going to have a chance to end it all. So it's been good stories told. And of course... Talk about, you know, Pete Dunne, UK champion for over 600 days. This man, Walter, definitely wants an opportunity, but he's going to have to go through KO first. Oh, Cassius <laughs> just chopped Walter across the chest. There are a few things you don't do, James. You don't piss in the wind. You don't tug on Superman's cape. And you do not chop Walter. No, and four chops from Ono, and then a shoulder block by Walter. Well, known as the uh, ring general... We'll see what he can do here. And, uh-oh, now he's got Ono. Oh, no. Would you rather have 10 beats of the Finn Balor's or one water chop? Ten, chop. Bo- 10 beats <laughs> of the Finn Balor. 20 beats of the Finn Balor rather than a water chop. <laughs> oh, oh, and a huge big boot from Walter knocking KO off of the ring apron. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, the commentators are trying to say that you, you can see a young Andre the Giant in Walter. I can't quite yeah. see that personally, but what do I know? Like, I see more of a um, Samoa Joe when he like, oh, when he first came around or something like that, like a complete just killer. A complete game changer. <laughs> Walter, you the man! You the man! And he throws Ono onto the apron back in the ring. And uh, Cassius stomps on the back of Walter's head. Just kind of puts all his body weight on Walter's arm. And if you take out the arm, James, you reduce the power of the slap. Well, that's the problem now. Or the chop. Maybe gone. And Cassius now with a forearms. Rocking Walter in the corner. Tearing him up for the rolling elbow, perhaps. Well, let's not underestimate Cassius. Yeah, he's not had a great record on NXT. But he's a dangerous man. So NXT UK, is it gone up in your press like it? 
more of an NXT show as opposed to yeah. a Raw slash Smackdown. I, I like NXT UK now more than 205 Live. I've got to say at the moment, 205 second Live. Second best. I, NXT UK for me is second best. But I, I, not, I don't know if it's another takeover, but if I look at the divisions, I don't know if I prefer NXT UK weird. Because Pete Dunne, yeah, I really like Pete Dunne. You look at Chumper as NXT champion, you're like, okay, maybe that's a bit equal. I like Dunne more. Tag team champions at the moment. You've got Grizzle War- Young Vets and War Raiders. But if you look, Mustache Mountain were champion. I'll be like, well, I like Mustache Mountain a lot as well. I prefer War Raiders to Grizzle Young Vets, yeah. but Mustache Mountain to War Raiders. Yeah, without a shallow doubt. And then women's the w- champion, women's champion. I'd oh, have Tony Storm. Tony yeah. Storm yeah. So the kind of show NXT is better. But I think with more time, NXT UK can really blossom into something great. You know, especially yeah. if you get the, like you said, sort the women's division out, fill if, out the tag if, teams. If, if you, you know, if you put a few more talent over, I mean, once DIY Ricochet and Alistair Black eventually go, the head honchos on NXT are going to be Undeserving Era, War Raiders, yeah. and Shayna Baszler. Yeah, so it, they've got to change it back a little bit, and I think NXT UK can uh, thrive. And here Cassius Sono has thrived as he's been working on Walter, but... Oh, overhand chop. <laughs> but that's just fired Cassius up, tries to respond with a big boot. Walter catches him from behind, looking for the sleeper. And he gets it, and Cassius trying to fight back. And Cassius brought it with the chops and the forearms. Walter's only hit one so far. Oh, oh a chap across, chop across <laughs> the back. They've recycled the Goldberg chant and putting it to Walter now. Oh, my God. And I can definitely see that. Boot to the face. That was a hell of a kick. And there it comes. Oh! <laughs> Running sent on there across the chest of Cassius. Oh. Goes for the cover, but only a two count. Two. And credit to Ono there to get up. I think Walter may be a little bit frustrated. And we've not seen him taken to the limit yet here. It's UK, don't get me wrong. I think Joe Coffey gave it a good try. Well, I think Cassius has been a lot more competitive than Joe Coffey. I mean, I doubt. And I think maybe it's just kind of the veteran now. But now he's in serious trouble with those forearms. Shots to the chest. Oh, Cassius nearly sneaking a victory there. Kick in the hand. Went for the rolling elbow. Got caught with a boot to the face. And Cassius just punching the arm of Walter. Oh! And a running elbow to the side of the head. And these two men just bringing it here. You can hear the impact. And it is definitely showing two sides of the brand as well. Like, you know, with a match previously and this one. Without a doubt, you wouldn't be... You, know, you couldn't tell what brands they would come from. If you, if you just show someone these two matches, you'd be oh, they're completely different companies, aren't they? No, 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 it's the same guys. Well, Cassiusano going up top. What's no. he looking for? Oh, looking for a moonsault. But Walter moving out of the way. A running seated <laughs> dropkick. Oh, my God. And now he's got Cassius... Powerbomb. Rolls through the cover. Two. Three. Oh, my God. Well, Cassius couldn't survive. And Walter brings it. And, and you know, Powerbomb, might, you might say, oh, it's not a really strong finish. But I think when it applied by Walter, because he does the little things so well, you know, bringing it back to the old style, he's only got, like, the sleeper he tried, cut the chops, cut the punches. Yeah. Brings more impact. But you me. take that running seated drop kick. You've just kicked all the air out of their lungs. And then just smash him down back first onto the mat. You know, it's bang, bang, front, back. He's fucked. And the thing is, you can feel like he could hit maybe five or six moves that could put you away as well. That's what you say when you look at Walter right now. But another great match, you know, on NXT UK. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. You know, it is a completely different storytelling 
side to what we've seen, but still told the great story. You know, you've got the grizzled vet as the grizzled young vets come onto the screen, but you've got the grizzled vet in KO <laughs> and the new kind of upstart to WWE. And, uh, and Walter's impact has been amazing so far to see. One of the most enjoyable things to watch. watch. Month. It is Walter <laughs> Watch every month, it seems. It's brilliant. Uh, and we'll see what happens with the NXT UK Championship. But we know what's happening next for the NXT Tag Team Championship because they are on the line. Well, James, grit your teeth. <laughs> That's GYT. It is. It's Grizzled Young Vets are here. Against our tag team of last year, Lorcan and Danny Birch. One and two. Okay, so that is it now for the WNR podcast. And we're going to leave it there after NXT UK. Free. And on our next episode, we'll bring you episode of NXT UK. And of course, NXT update. But before we go, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WNR Review or... At Vince McDan WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins across all the Google platforms. WWE Network Review on Google Plus. Send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WNet Review Podcast, where the podcasts go up on YouTube. We do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're also on Spreaker Radio. We've got a live weekend coming up. And Stitcher Radio and iTunes. We can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. Like I say, on Wednesday, we'll have the WNR 209 Part 2. Two. But until then, I've been James Rowlands. And as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. Bye. <laughs>